Welcome back to ComTrack, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I'm your host, Tim Lifite, and I have another recurring guest, uh, Nikki B. How are we doing? What's going on? Thank you so much for inviting me again. Absolutely. Is this a crossover episode? Maybe. Just might be. (laughs) (laughs) But no, thank you so much for inviting me back. Absolutely. Uh, And thank you for inviting me to watch a good movie. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, last time you kind of lucked out with with one of the really low end Star Wars movies. But here we're going to be doing. But we're yes, this is this is going to be a very interesting one to get into. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched this one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I am just a huge. Do you want to go into a little bit before we? Uh, yeah, well, intro, th- but yeah, I was going to go right into it, but well, yeah. Yeah, see, well, the thing is, for Inception, in- Inception was always like a weird movie for me because I was the very first person to hear about it, and I swear to God, the very last person to see it. Because I actually remember... Did you see it like right at the, like, White When the Height train kind of... Way down. White like, When the Height I train saw it like on the very last it. weekend before it even got pulled out of theaters, man. Really? Actually, no, actually, I didn't even see it in theaters. I saw it on DVD for the first time. Hmm, okay. Like, like weeks after it was I think, released. Yeah. This was a movie for me. I'm look, I am a huge fan of Chris Nolan's work as a filmmaker. Oh, I same. think that he I think he has just made he's one of those filmmakers that just constantly like every time he puts a film out, he just for my money, he just knocks it out of the park every time. Most of the time, most anyway. Most of the time, most of the time, anyway. <laughs> yes, most of the time, anyway. And that just goes beyond his Batman trilogy. But like, yes, Memento, uh, The Prestige, and a film that I think is probably his most underrated, which is Insomnia. Yes, I love with Insomnia. Al Pacino and Robin Robin Williams. Robert De Niro is fucking creepy. Bru- you mean Robin Williams? Yes, Robin yeah. Robin Williams is fucking yeah. terrifying. Oh in that my movie. god, it was amazing, and it actually came out the same year that he did. Uh, the film one hour photo oh man that was the that, robin williams that was the fear. exact that was the exact same year dude that What's, but i was, I, I mean i do highly recommend insomnia if you haven't seen it it's oh, kind dude. of one yeah. of his it's one of his chris nolan's lesser known films it's kind of underrated not too many people know about it did you see following uh, did I see what? Following his first film, like for, uh, his first feature film. Yes, I yeah, did. That, that's cool. I, I've actually seen all yes. of them. Oh like, yeah, even He's... his uh, short film Doodlebug. Oh yeah, right, yeah. right, right. You can find that one on YouTube mm-hmm. too. But uh, but Inception, that was an interesting experience the first time I saw it because I remember right as the movie ended, I thought to myself. This is going to be a movie I think I'd have to watch a few more times mm-hmm. oh, before, we all did. before I fully grasp the concept of it and just the overall experience of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly liked the experience of it when I sat and watched it the first time. Yeah. But it was definitely one of those movies where I'm just like, I think I'm going to, like I said, I have to watch this a few more times. I only, I think I only saw it one time in a theater. You said you saw it like way after the hype train. Oh yeah, dude, it. it was crazy. Because the thing was, um, as soon as because I saw the Dark Knight, uh, not opening night, but I saw it opening day, um, and as soon as I walked out of the theater, I'm like, "This is the greatest thing ever!" Oh, well, you know, everything, the same thing that you're talking about the Dark Knight. Yeah, about the Dark Knight. Okay. And as soon as I was like that, I'm like, "When, when the hell is he going to make the next one?" Two <laughs> looked, years later, so, I think. Yeah. No, as, as a matter of fact, I read up on an article that night, and he said, "Yeah, I'm not doing a Batman movie. I'm doing this sci-fi thriller called Inception," which I'm like, 
I don't know what he is, but you got my blank. You got my money. That's a blank check right there. He's one of those filmmakers where I just will give my money to whatever. He exactly. Does. Yeah, I mean, Tarantino for me, Nolan, Scorsese, yep, like yep, uh, anything he does, I'm any, just giving my money right. Even there. if it's bad, it's probably going to be spectacular. Oh, bad. even like even like the weakest of his films, which is probably Interstellar. Yeah, it's. I won't say Interstellar is a terrible movie because when I saw that, I was very much in like because I saw. I remember I saw that in IMAX 3D and just the special Wait, effects. 3D. Every... Really? You saw, there was it was not in released in 3D or not in 3D. I just, just like saw it. IMAX. IMAX. Yeah, okay, I didn't now, see it in 3D. Here's yeah. the, th the other thing because I know this was a big campaign at the time. Did you see it in 70 millimeter IMAX or just like digital IMAX? I saw it in digital IMAX. I actually I saw it in 70. Millimeter. I, I couldn't find I couldn't find a theater that was closest to me to do it. <laughs> there was I, I was living uh, in Bowling Green at the time, and I actually went uh, a, a few mm -hmm. miles up north into uh, Michigan. Because at the uh, the Ford Museum, they still had an IMAX theater, that and they were present yes, they were presenting that movie mm -hmm. in seventy millimeter IMAX projection, and I've never seen a picture clearer ever. Oh, it's like the movie amazing. looks amazing. Yeah. The actual story fell really apart for me. That's another <laughs> that's another episode for Comtrack. Oh, dude, totally, to we gotta that. do that because <laughs> I've got a whole story on that. But... I know the series you're doing isn't a Christopher Nolan series technically. But, well, but, I mean, yeah. I don't see why not, though. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, man. We'll start a hashtag or something. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag, hashtag Interstellar on Comtrack. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> the no, the uh, but and the thing about Inception was, uh, as soon as I read about that, I'm like, I'm, I'm in. But I didn't see it at all during, um, uh, while it was in theaters. I think I was, I don't know what was going on. I just know I was crazy busy at the time. This so, was, yeah, this was another one of those movies for me where it's like, you know, I told them that I saw the movie and they people would ask me, well, what's it about? What's the idea? And I go, I really don't want to tell you much about it before you go in. Like, <laughs> That's actually a good way to put it. I don't want you to know too much about it. Like, don't even look at an IMDb synopsis. Just, I don't want you to Don't know even look anything. at the trailer. Don't look at a trailer. Don't look at anything. Just, I don't want you to know anything. Just go in and watch it. Also, if the thing... And it's very <laughs> rare that we get that in film now. Yeah. Because, I mean... In trailers alone, they tend to modern trailers tend to spoil a lot of the movies. A lot. And from what I remember, uh, when the trailers for this, I mean, I, I I could be wrong, but I haven't seen the trailers in a while or looked up the trailers. Mm -hmm. But from what I, it didn't really show too much. Yeah, it All didn't it, show too uh, much. Although the thing that it did do was the. Uh, that's the, that's the one thing I really hate about this movie is it set that stupid trend in not just film trailers but also in movie soundtracks in general. <coughs> yeah, just like the, in just in uh, obligatory Inception boise is what we call them because they because they it was just copycat. They were just like, oh, that's cool. We can put yeah, let's put that in the trailer. Like that's that got a this whole, is an intense got, scene in the movie. I got Bang. so many downloads on iTunes. Let's just rip off of that because we're really unoriginal and can't think of anything off the last minute. So. But, uh, I just don't, I just have to I just like don't know how Christopher Nolan's brain works just to come up with a concept. He's like a this. mathematician at heart. Oh, That's yeah. what it is. He's really he's a like, mathematician. He, he's, he's constantly a mathematician filmmaker. He's constantly like doing uh like references to MC Escher and architects and you know really elaborate He's he's a smarter and, man than I will ever be. Yeah, well and this is the most blatant attempt to do that sort mm -hmm. of thing. I mean, if you look at have it's you ever still, yeah. <laughs> have you ever watched his uh in, like how he explains the plot for Memento? Oh yeah, like he he's just very, goes back and forth, and it's like he's literally like a professor um, telling you the equation, the equation of everything. 
trying to explain the plot of this fucking movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious, yeah. but it's also just really humbling to see, you know? Um, and of course this has like, I think probably the Nolan, the Nolaniest of all of his movies, like all of his tropes seem to be in here. They've got those. Yeah, I'd say so. I've got yeah. all the men in suits. They've men got, suits. you know, uh, death to the wife and, um, like grand scopes and, you know, film, uh, uh, film photography. And that, that's the other thing. This movie was shot on film. You know? Gloriously, yeah, too. and he's no second unit. Directors. He's one of the few directors that are doing that. Not just film, but no second unit either. Like he oh, shot and right, directed yeah. every minute last shot. Very rare. No one ever does that anymore because, well, quite frankly, it's no kind of hard. I mean, rarely shoots on film in general. Yeah, well, I mean, ju- well, I mean, not to, to not break off second units, and you know, so you're ma- getting more th- work done in less time. That's almost unheard of nowadays and he did he even did the same thing in the dark night and that mm-hmm. look how great that worked out so i mean i don't know how he does it but he's he's here to do it so i think it's about time to start the movie let's do it so and uh for you newcomers if you really don't want to hear us bullshit about the movie beforehand um in the description below there's a sync button so you can just skip past whenever you want to revisit us so with that we're said using time codes yes we it's all in the time codes so with that <laughs> here we go we are pressing play let's do it um <clears throat> and fade into the Warner Brothers logo. Um oh yeah, you know the Christopher really... Nolan always had great Warner Brothers logos. Well, yeah, because they gave him all the toys. They they gave him all the IMAX cameras, especially when he did Dark Knight Rises. I, well, Warner Brothers for sure is has a lot of faith in Christopher Nolan because oh, I think they's pretty much I think he made them maybe with the exception the maybe with the would. exception of Memento and I'm not entirely sure but I think all of them have been through Warner Brothers right I think so I don't know if Memento was I could be wrong but, I do know well yeah. I, what I do really love is uh, his his company right here Cinecopy oh I love that um they, like they just totally ripped off that font and used it for this movie because of the maze structure that's mentioned throughout. Um, but yeah, right away, we are uh, up on the shores of wherever. We're on the shores of the beach, and there's Leonardo DiCaprio washing up on shore. <clears throat> um, and you know what's really interesting? This is not the first time we've seen Leonardo lamenting over his dead wife, and there in being the wa- a lot of water in present the water. in the movie. Shutter Island. What other movies? <laughs> Shutter Island, which coincidentally came out the same year. That was the same. Shutter Island I was the same year. I shit you not. It was the same year, 2010. How did I know that Insomnia and One Hour Photo came out in the same year, but I didn't know that Shutter Island was the same year as Insomnia? Um, <laughs> I, I guess between the two of us, we're at one genius. I guess. <laughs> well, I guess because I'm a diehard Robin Williams fan. Yes. Maybe that's probably why. But uh, wow, that's interesting. Yep. Working with Scorsese and Nolan back to back. Now, this architecture is fucking cool. Oh, it's. This is. I mean. I just seeing this on the big theater just like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Just like the way that's like this was a movie that demanded to be seen on the biggest screen possible. Which I am so regretting um, right now. Although speaking of regrets, uh, you know the song that's sung by Edith Piaf throughout the movie. Like uh, it's it's called uh, Oh, is it non- like Le Vion Rose or something? Uh, it's a uh, Non Je Ne Regrette. Oh, non, that song. Non yeah. Je Ne well, Regrette Rien. Because Marion Marion Cotillard's yes. in this movie. Who from uh, from La Vie en Rose, right? Um, well, the mo- that song is I Regret Nothing, which plays throughout. And another interesting coincidence, the opening titles that the the boise are just slow down are based off of slow down cues from the opening of that movie. Or that song, oh, and the wow. whole and the whole movie is two hours and twenty eight minutes long. The song, two hours and two minutes and twenty eight seconds. So we are, 
I did we not, as the, I never caught that until now. We as the audience I, I know are something new. Like, I learn something new from this movie every time I watch it. Yeah. Because, like, the first time, as I was saying before, like, the first time I watched this, I was just like, I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but I like watching this. <laughs> it's very, But that's very rare, too, right? Yeah. It's very rare that it's like you'll watch a movie and go, I don't know what I'm watching. But sometimes, you know, that comes along with, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yes. This was very rare in the sense that I don't know what I'm watching, and it's a lot to take in. Oh yeah, dude, this a, is one of those movies. Great to, yeah, this is one of those movies you literally blink and you will miss something. Like we oh, we already yeah. missed like the uh, that great uh, um, match cut from old Saito to uh, young Saito. And really fun thing is um, Saito, the character of Saito was written exclusively for Ken Watanabe. Because, oh, um, for sure. Well, yeah, because like, yeah. no one was uh, making Batman Begins and he was supposed to be, you know, not Ra- uh, Rachel Ghoul. And he's like, man, you're a really great actor, but I don't feel like I gave you enough screen time. So I'm like, oh, I'll write here. I'll write this character just for you to appear in so you can get more screen time and oh, really yeah. get to show off your acting abilities. Because Ken Watanabe is a great actor. He's underrated, for yeah, sure. Totally. He's, yeah, no one ever, I mean, like. In, in many ways, it, it might this be. This is probably, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, but he might be one of the most unsung performances in this movie it yeah the most unsung performance in this movie i mean yeah. it's so easy because you look at you know leo and because he's leo and you look at ellen page and you know their performances but like he is probably the most unsung hero of this he's, movie. i would say he's kind of the to uh um the uh the uh, what, god what is his name uh kurosawa's man uh to oh, um Mifune. Uh, yeah yeah Mifune. um he's kind of the Mifune of our day you know in, yeah. in many oh, ways yeah for sure um so now we're uh in now uh, this is where things get really kind of crazy because we are jumping from all over the place and that's what i really loved about this movie the only ex- um exposition they gave was just about uh extractors and what they are oh but yeah you, but they right. don't tell you where the hell you are so th- again this is one of those movies like you blink and you will be in a completely different place in time and space and level of dream as we're about to find out because I remember popping this in. I had no idea what the hell was going on, but I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> oh, I was so... I, that's exactly how I felt the first time I saw this. Like, I literally was just sitting there with my jaw open because I was just like, wait, okay, I really have to think and pay attention here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, it's, not like, it's not like The Dark Knight where I can just sit and be like, it's a Batman movie and it's awesome. Yep. You know? Although, again, going back to the... But that's argument. one of the things I appreciate Nolan for. Yes. You know? Because like, he won't make the same movie twice. Yeah. He's never going to make the same movie twice. Also, even, if it's a ba- even if it's one of his Batman movies. Mm-hmm. All, each three of those movies are so respectively different. Yes. And I'm really glad that he actually uh, made the decision to uh, uh, take a break and take make a, a completely different movie in between those movies. Rather than go in between. Yeah. Exactly. And we're introduced to uh, Marion Cotillard. Yes. Uh, our femme fatale of the movie. This movie is very film noir. Oh, it, yes. And it's oh. But uh, actually, the thing that I uh, tie this in most, and this is kind of why you know I'm including this in my anime month, this movie feels like a live-action anime. In a way, in a way, it really does. take a yeah. few steps back because, like, I've always been fascinated in, uh, like, ever throughout college, I've always been fascinated by uh, making a uh, a movie or a short film uh, that feels like it's a shot for shot remake of an anime that has never been made. You know, that isn't based on a previous no, anime it's just, but, material, but it just feels like it's a shot for shot remake. 
It fe- of, oh, so you're saying like it feels like if it would feel like a shot for shot remake of something that doesn't exist. Exactly, and okay. that's what this movie feels like. You okay. know, it's like he um, created his own anime story in a, in a weird way because like really, uh, I see a lot of anime ref- like. Well, there's definitely a lot of like sort of styles that definitely remind me of that for sure. Well, the architecture is Japanese. Architecture, yes. So like, because I'm looking at the movie and I can see like this movie being. Uh, this would have adapted. been a very inter- this would have been a very interesting anime graphic novel mm-hmm. if it ever if they ever were to make one. Although to a certain extent, you could argue that this movie has already been an anime. Uh, if uh, any viewers out there have ever seen uh, the movie by uh, Satoshi Kon, uh, Paprika, this movie I have, steals. Which I have not seen. This movie steals so freaking much from that. It's not even funny. <laughs> like it's to the point where you're did like, did Nolan ever mention that that was a film that he? referenced or like i don't think he said he definitely because there was a some... film that because there was a film that uh to kind of go off topic for a little bit from yeah. this movie the uh darren aronofsky's movie black swan yes there was an anime film and i can't remember the title of oh it perfect blue perfect blue yes, yes that's also a... by satoshi Kong. yeah yeah and there that movie i haven't seen perfect blue but apparently a lot of people have gone on to like go in depth to say black swan is pretty much shot for shot remake of perfect blue it's it's all very much inspired by yeah um, so, I, so this movie I wonder is kind of so good, yeah thing. going back to this i wonder if i'm not sure if nolan has ever said that uh oh he, tot- was a, no, yeah. he, he totally cites it as an okay as an yeah, inspiration. Right. yeah totally because there's one moment in paprika where uh she closes a glass like a a mirror door mm-hmm. it shatters and she walks through an, another thing he literally ripped off the exact same thing with uh, Ellen Page and Leo DiCaprio. Oh, later sure, in the right, movie. right, right. So I have to see that. I haven't seen. Yeah, haven't so seen but yet. it's uh, dude. Anything by Satoshi Kon, uh, God, Tokyo Godfathers, Paprika, Perfect Blue, all worth watching. But anyway, the thing about Inception is, um, so uh, uh, Dom Cobb here, played by Leo, is uh, just uh, uh, steal uh, gotten in into their his Saito's government secrets, as one would say. Um, or at least as Neil Breen would say. <laughs> um, but That's yeah, that's one you have to do on contract. Oh, jeez, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. Maybe, maybe when someday, uh, someday, if I get enough, if I get enough requests, then sure. But yes, yeah, we'll do that with. You'd have to do that with a group of people. Oh God, yeah. with a lot of drinks. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so now uh, Mal is uh, kind of fucking shit up here because he's like she. She's literally pulling back the curtain for these guys, you know. And then, of course, that's this... another thing that I yeah, that's another thing that I appreciated is that this movie has like he's one of the few directors that knows how to, how to shoot an action sequence very well mm-hmm. because not a lot of directors know how to do it. No, <laughs> they, he does nice wide long very, takes. Yes, and and this is I mean, well, what's yeah, really crazy here... is the sets. Like he oh, yeah. actually made the because all this shit you're seeing, like none of it is CG. All very practical. This is sets. all yeah. impractical, and they literally just exaggerate. You know the. Uh, the effect by shaking the camera. He can, like, that's yeah, it. and then Nolan can give you like a film that has the most complex themes and messages, but still give you an entertaining paper. film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right, totally. Because as a matter of fact, this movie has even fewer visual effects than Batman Begins. Oh, I believe it. Like, I actually I think, believe it. I think uh, yeah. Batman Begins had like eight or seven or eight hundred. I would have probably told. I would have probably told you that was a crazy notion. Like after I saw this movie, right? Because like, like <laughs> I would have told you like I would have said like, bullshit. No way. This movie has like the most CGI that Nolan's ever used. But after a few no. times I've seen it, I was like, oh yeah, I totally believe. Yeah, it. He, I think yeah. this movie has like five hundred visual effects, where Batman Begins has like 
seven or eight hundred. Yeah, right. It's nuts how much he does in camera, mm-hmm. and it's to the point where you're like, Nolan, how do you keep getting away with it? Because <laughs> he's Nolan. Yeah, that's very true. Because like he does, the, I mean, you have all these great stunt guys, and they have these elaborate sets, and then of course, like probably the mo- one of the most ridiculous effects. Uh, it's coming up in a moment. Oh, Saito's I, I waking know which up. One you're talking. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I love how the whole dream is collapsing. Have you ever had that moment where you realize you were dreaming and you realize you're in the dream and you're waking up and everything just seems to be falling apart? Oh, I yeah. actually have had that experience. Yeah, that's so, very, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's a result of this movie or just because that's how humans dream. I don't know, but either way, this co- this is cool. Great that's shot. all in Great camera. Great shot. All in camera with a super high-speed camera. Um and yeah, they just doused uh, the entire set in Leo in water. I, I think it was like a, a few hundred thousand gallons of water. It was nuts. And then oh, not the first time that no. Leo has been soaked in the water. Soaked in the water <laughs> <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so now they're out of the first. Well, I guess spoilers. And they, if you guys they are do watching... never. I mean, yeah, they don't really specify where exactly it is they are. No. And, and it's and, not but until... that's one of the things that's like I think Nolan is probably one of the few directors that can get away with that mm-hmm. because usually when you have a film set in a particular place they'll be like tell hey, us yes tell, tell us, us where it is but this movie doesn't do that yeah we really you, just kind of have to go along as it is but whereas with every other movie you'd be like okay where are they where what am I what's happening right now <laughs> <laughs> but I do really love the fact that uh, you know it, it's actually kind of designed for multiple viewings oh absolutely because I mean, I could not, I mean, I was, that's exactly how I felt when I saw this movie. I was like, I have to see this movie again. I know yep. I keep bringing it up, but. No, like, no, it's dude, like, totally. It's, like, cause that's, that, I mean, this movie, cause when you watch it again and like again. You have like, to feel like you get more out of it. And like, once you like see certain things, that's when you start piecing things together. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's because probably this movie moves so fast. It's a very, um, fa- yeah, it's a very fast paced movie for a movie that's two and a half hours long. Even Well, even the yeah. dialogue. You know, like if because I swear there's like uh, he only uses like a couple seconds of dialogue to feed you huge amounts of information, and he does it almost constantly throughout. And there's Edith Piaf playing. Non je ne regrette rien. Non je regrette rien. There we go. Yes, there was much more. I only say like names. My French French is horrible. I only say names in French. That's why I say all this is where we're introduced to Marion Cotillard. Yes. Gerard Depardieu. Yep. And uh, God, I I forget where they're actually supposed to be because I know in the uh, within the dream uh, they're supposed to recreate his apartment so that he he believes that he's getting to talk. Of course. Uh, they kind of screw up because that's not the right carpet. And I really love what they say later on. He's like, I didn't, he's like, why didn't you research the carpet? He's like, well, I didn't expect you to rub his face in it. <laughs> 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 yep. That's per- polyester. Per- perfect thing. Cause, um, yeah, actually, did you know the, like the, the way the team, the way they work, that's actually based off of the filmmaking process. It may, yeah, oh yeah, that may, makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense. Cobb sure. is the director. Mm-hmm. Um, Arthur, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is the producer. G-G-O. Saito is the studio. Uh, Ariadne is the production designer. She designs. And that's another thing that you don't get. You obviously don't get on the first viewing. No. To- oh, no. Are you kidding me? 
it wasn't until I read about that and like no one was talking about his writing process. Oh, I didn't that. get half of this when I saw it the first time. <laughs> Dude, you can't even get a quarter of it, man. No, You're, it, this even, movie just I mean, is yeah. so way ahead of itself that you, it, it's yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, like uh, Ariadne is the the one who designs the dreams, so she's the uh, production designer. Production designer. Eames is designer. the guy who does the disguises and all the the imitations. He's the actor, and then. Killian Murphy, who appears later, who they're trying to trick, he's the audience, you know? So it's it's really kind of cool to see that. And, and I actually watch this movie a lot before I go out and direct a movie. Like, that was my, one of my things, is, like, the day before... Um, oh, that's I would interesting. Go, yeah, before I would go direct, like, a when I was on the 48-hour films, and I would be mm -hmm. in the director's chair, see, I'd always watch See, whenever I would be these. in that position, like, if we were about to go make a 48-hour film festival, yeah. we would wa I would watch something about the making of movies. Like, mm. I would watch something like, and this is kind of, I would watch something like Ed Wood ah, by Tim Burton. I gotcha. You know, like, that's another I, good one. You know one. what I mean? Like, it's, I mean... I mean, obviously, in that movie, he's making a horrible movie, but still, just like no, the passion is just there, the passion though. is there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. One, like one of my favorite things was yeah. we don't have a permit. Run! Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Saito has felt like he's gotten a really nice interview, and, we're, and so yeah, we're in Paris now. Um, and, and that's only really specified by the Eiffel, yes. <laughs> by the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel it's Tower. like, oh, yep, they're in Paris. And of course. <laughs> Leo's having second thoughts about doing The Revenant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they made me put do a bear. They put me inside a bear to get, get warm. by a bear. Whatever. I won an Oscar. Slept inside the horse. I wish I could have won that Oscar for when I, when I uh, uh, blew coke out that hooker's ass, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or any other Scorsese movie. Oh, dude, seriously. like he, his best. <laughs> or any other Scorsese movie he did. Actually, what's yeah. your favorite Leo Di Leonardo DiCaprio performance? Ooh, yeah, that's a hot, that's hard one. For me, it goes straight the, uh, to The Departed. Like, that's the my Departed, favorite. The Departed, for me, The Departed is a great performance of his. I always liked Catch Me If You Can. Oh, that's a great one. Catch Me one. If You Can. That's one of Spielberg's best movies in yes. my mind. His, Leo's performance in that especially is fantastic. The Aviator, I mean, you can't count. Aviator's the, pretty Aviator, good. Aviator, he's fantastic. Wolf of Wall Street, you referenced earlier. Well, I thought he um, should, I honestly should have won for Wolf of Wall Street just because of that one long shot of him opening the car door with his foot. Oh like yeah! That, oh yeah! That's like, like the, yeah. That, like that, I was watching that scene. I'm like, that's the move. That's should have won him his Oscar right there and then. He's but, fantastic in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too, which I just. Oh watched. right on! Cool. Yes, he's very fantastic in that. Yeah, yeah. boy. Um, but yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio just can't get his wife out of his head. Um, and but yeah, just really. Uh, I uh, but oh, I'm trying to think of uh, the other thing that I was supposed to say, but nope. Lost my mind. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, um, so he's calling for trying to just checking on his kids because <clears throat> I can imagine like Nolan was kind of using that to because uh, I know uh, what was it? I know he had a kid during Batman Begins. So I can imagine he was using, you know, being away from home for long periods of time and using that sort of thing like, you know, trying to 
keep in touch with and his some kids of the and whatnot. Are very, very much felt in this. Yeah, especially in this particular scene. Well, and yeah, I mean, this whole yeah. bit feels like you know the the traveling filmmakers. Or, oh or yeah, the traveling showmen away from home, away from home, away from constantly home a lot in hotels, for months and months on a time, and, and constantly living out of hotels. Especially if you're, especially if you're someone like Nolan who makes a movie like for like eight months out of the year, or yep. something like that, and always walking around in suits. Yes, have you always... ever seen Nolan in anything except a suit? Oh no, he's always directing in a suit. <laughs> Anytime he does an interview, he's in a suit. He's not one of those like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can't can't we like at, at least one person get a picture of him like you know when he's getting his newspaper and like a robe and you know boxer shorts or something? Even when he's probably getting his newspaper, he's, <laughs> he's just like still I was wearing, wearing a, a polo fun. shirt he's and wearing... like. <laughs> oh my god! Morning. <laughs> I mean, seriously, does it... I really want to see? He, like can... wakes, just wakes up looking so <laughs> dapper and nice. <laughs> You know? Oh yeah, he doesn't even have to comb his hair. Or do no, 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 just, no, 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 no. He no. rolls out of bed like that. He just comes. I mean, he'll just—he's probably one of those guys that just wakes up in the morning and combs his hair with his hand. It just naturally just—it just, it just actually, naturally I'm, comes out perfectly. Actually, I'm pretty sure he—he he combs his hair with the helicopters that he constantly is using. <laughs> <laughs> like it Maybe, just blows in the right way. Because it, it does seem to be his hair is very much kind of like, you know, not it's very qu- not really uh, not sort of messy or anything like that it's but it's kind of it's quaffed there we go yes. perfect very quaffed, quaffed. Very, just very nice yeah so and lord knows he must be spending a lot of time in helicopters because i swear every other movie there's like a that's how he probably gets to set well yeah that's that's how he gets to set that's that's pretty much i'm pretty like everyone's just waiting for nolan (laughs) or he might be the or he might be the first one to show up on set maybe who knows yeah But uh, yeah. Although I love uh, how he never, I love how he never really goes in. They never really show footage from the process of the making of his movies. No, they do. I've or seen some, some yeah, of them. Sometimes they will. But I've like, got a yeah. ton of them on there. I've, I'm, yeah. I'm one of those people who will buy the other. Uh, sometimes you know, they will. Yeah. I'll buy the two disc uh, DVD or Blu-ray or whatever just so I can get the extra special features to watch oh, yeah. how they made this stuff. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen some of the insane amount of stuff that they've done on here. Oh, and I've seen him like behind the scenes when he's worked on the Batman film. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you should see some of the yeah, crazy right, right. stuff that he's done mm-hmm. for this movie because it's just as nuts, if not more so. Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, so now here's where Saito is finally giving them a final deal that can actually fix all of his problems, like magic. Um, oh, he said the title. Yep. <laughs> well, and he already said the set, title yeah. when he's like, "Oh, actu- yep, yeah." Right. They're actually, com- yeah. uh, you know, try to explain the idea of uh, Inception and whatnot. I love catching that in movies. I'm like, "Oh, he said the title." The title drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what actually would be a, re- you know, what would be an amazing ballsy move to have as like the tagline on the poster, or even in the trailer. The tagline is, "Don't think about elephants." <laughs> <laughs> And then people would like, be like, what? they'd be like in the theater, like passing all the posters. <laughs> and see that and be like, yeah, I have to pull Tim Allen. But, uh, <laughs> Inception, mm. new film by Christopher Nolan. Don't, Don't think about think elephants. About elef- Don't think about elephants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in here, it's, it's, yeah. And of course. Uh, I, that almost makes me wish they should have done that. It would have been. It, w- it really would have been crazy. It would have like, been confusing for modern audiences. No kidding. No, they would have. You know, it's actually even crazier. Uh, in Japan, I actually read uh, when they run this on cable, they actually have on the corner of the screen what level of dream they're in. 
Oh, which is that's interesting. Yeah, which I'm I've like, never watched this movie on cable. It's always been I just always checked, just pop in the Blu-ray. I just checked that out on like uh, the IMDb trivia because oh I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. As we know, all film nerds as soon as I almost never watch a movie when if it's on like basic cable. Right? Like, oh, never, watch, no, never, because it's just like N- uh, I, but com- I, so I didn't know that they did that. Fuck commercials. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know that they did that for this movie on cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, and you know, this is another Nolan thing where you see two people talking to each other on a jet. Ah, good point. Yes. There's a lot of stuff that comes Opening back. Opening of Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Well, also Batman Begins. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Two people just kind of mm-hmm. shit-chatting as they're moving along. And, of course, and enter... it's not a Christopher Nolan movie without Michael, Michael, Michael Caine. Caine. My, Sir Michael Caine. I buried enough members in a Wayne family. <laughs> I love, you gotta love Michael Caine, right? He do, he's dude. The sa- he's, I mean... He's like Samuel Jackson for Tarantino, right? Yeah, he's just the guy to have in yep. his movies. Although, interestingly yeah. enough, he does not appear in Gun- uh, Dunkirk. Uh, he does not, no. Yeah, I, um, that's I actually. Although, what the thing was, I actually read that he was going to um, either appear as very briefly or provide the voice of Winston Churchill at the very end. I could see that. Yeah, but instead, he I could op- see that completely opted out to do it, and he said. No, no. This movie's been shown from the view of the soldiers, so it has to that their uh, the person reading it has to come from them. I don't know if I'm the person to play Winston Churchill. <laughs> That's a bad Michael Caine. But... No, no. The person to to get to play uh, Winston Churchill is definitely Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Another frequent Nolan. Uh, yeah, collaborator. yeah. All oh, crazily enough, yeah. even though there's a lot of members of the Dark Knight trilogy in this movie. Gary Oldman is not one of them. And it's such a perfect role for him in this, for I, Michael Caine. Yeah, uh, although, you know what's really... I just cra- buy it 100%. You know what's really crazy, though? This this guy got, like, uh, he got top billing and paid, like, you know, X amount of do- millions of dollars, literally for, like, three minutes of screen time. Oh, yeah, it's... You'd think, and of a, course, you'd, and of you'd, cor- think yeah. you'd take a pay cut for being, you know, Nolan's lucky charm. Yeah. I have no idea. Or like uh, J.K. Simmons for uh, Jason Reitman. Oh, my God. You're right. Wow. I didn't notice that. I need to watch more Jason Reitman movies. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of Jason. I haven't seen a lot of Jason Reitman films, but the ones I've seen have J.K. Simmons in them. How about that? Yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) So he seems to be a lucky charm for him. So now now we got Michael Caine talking about... uh, Getting getting uh, Cobb home uh, for one last job, and you know a common movie trope, one last job. Um, but uh, you know what's really interesting? He's talking about he has this needs one to last shot. this needs to be and excuse me, this needs to be a uh, uh, a th- uh, he's talking about like he's uh, to get home is like that he needs to f- focus more on reality, and that's just really egging the question: beige. Is this movie a dream or not? you're at a loss for words it still gets i mean it's still like it gets that's one of the things i mean it still gets you to get you to think about you know what i think it well here's ellen page and and now here's really something uh really cool where uh he now she should run right there and then it's not i need a job for you but it's not strictly speaking legal now as an american student in paris you should fucking run right there and then. Oh, yeah, that's like a total just like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> but like, if some stranger takes you to the top of a rooftop, he's like, I've got a job for you that I need you to do. I mean, that's do. just a trope, right? I mean, yeah, that's just like... A... But I will admit, the yeah. fact that she, like, manages to impress him like this, 
Um, and actually, what's really cool is the maze that she's drawing is actually kind of based off a maze of uh, the Ariadne in Greek myth. Because she's the, one of the uh, architects okay. of one of the mazes, right. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, now we got Ellen Page aboard, although... Uh, does she get paid? Because <laughs> <laughs> you would think, like, okay, because if, any, if anyone, like, offered me a job, especially one that's not, <clears throat> strictly speaking, legal... I'm like, right on. How much do I get paid? <laughs> Does she get paid? Do any of these people I get paid? I don't think that. You know what? I don't think that they do. Oh, this was this. See, was, the only paint... this was an icon. This was a. Oh yes, this, this was scene an right here scene. in the. Uh, yeah. Um, the cafe. This scene. was the scene that they. I, I remember this was the scene that they would show like whenever all the time in the trailer, the movie in the trailers, in all the TV just to spots. kind of show like, okay, this is probably the scene that we should show mm-hmm. to get somewhat of an idea even though that's like the most loosest yeah like that's pr- <laughs> now i really do love this whole thing where they're talking it's about great scene. Um, well the mind is yeah. like uh, more active while we're sleep while we're sleeping and whatnot i don't know how true that is i mean i i, I hear i actually remember reading uh listening on to the news like uh there was like a whole resurgence of you know dream theory seem, yeah. and uh, dream theory and you know dream uh psychology and whatnot and um, I hear a lot, if I remember correctly, like the whole thing where, uh, um, uh, when we're asleep, our dr- brains are more active and to a certain extent, I actually think that was, uh, scientifically accurate. I could be totally wrong, but from what I remember most, Nolan. well, from what I remember most of the, uh, from what, uh, most of right uh, the stuff here is, is that it is like your mind is actually a lot more active while you're sleeping. Um, and I really do love the line that he says where, um, it, it, how we don't really, uh, remember how, where we are. We're always just drop right in the middle of the dream. Um, that's something that uh, I always had these crazy, now this, okay. Yeah. Before I get into that, this bit, um, those were actually just air cannons. Oh, with yeah, debris they, yeah. that they just erased I and they did, yeah. they did some visual touch-ups, but ultimately not like roughly about 80 percent of what you're seeing was done in camera that's nuts it's it doesn't feel right does it like you know obviously some of this stuff was uh added in but um a majority of that is just like uh really slowed down uh air cannons with very light and uh um, safe debris as and obviously you're not going to make a movie like this and not have a visual effects touched some degree well you have to yeah you I mean, have to it's it's almost it's, i mean it would be practically impossible but the but just the fact that most of the effect shots are in camera is very impressive well i mean because that's like a really great uh visual effects discipline is that you shoot as much as you can in camera and so you don't have to really put in too much touch up well, yeah. Well, it also helps. Post, well, it yeah. also helps the to sell the visual effects mm-hmm. for the artists who make them because they have to program all, all and it the also, light and I the imagine, movement. And it also, I imagine, for the actors, like it's you. I feel oh like yeah, you for the actors, more, it helps the performance. It would be much more real performance because when you do a CGI movie, the common sort of way you would do it is you would do it on green screen and it'd be like, yes. oh, you'd have a tennis ball on a stick and be like, okay, that's an exploding building, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, but and and it just kind of be like okay you use your imagination in that way but for but for the actors in here it's like it gives their it, performances are much more ground and much more realistic in that way yes um, well it also helps with the visual effects because they actually have photographic reference of what 
they're trying to recreate in the computer is actually looks like how it reacts to light, oh, yeah. how it moves and mm-hmm. how it feels. So they can literally just take like you know use that reference and then just go like a little bit extra step further. Um, and then of course you know speaking of extra steps further, then they, Nolan does this shit, which oh I yeah just this blew my mind at the time when I saw that dude like. I don't even know how to react to that sort of thing. Like, cause to see that in, I just remember looking around when this movie came out, I was like turning around to see like other people <laughs> react to it. You know, you want to do that in the theater. Like you see something crazy. You just want to see other people reacting it. Yep. Everybody's jaw was on the floor. I can imagine dude. Like cause... everybody was just, I was speechless. I was yeah. totally speechless. Yeah. I mean, dude, even look at the light. It's that's spellbinding, dude. It's and, just the attention to detail. And then, of course, they too. do this kind of thing here. Because I'm pretty sure what they're doing is they're literally taking footage, like some stock B footage. Um, and then just kind of... Copying, pasting, and... Flipping it up, yeah. Flipping it and... Flipping it upside com- down, yeah. And putting it in certain places. Mm-hmm. Now, this shot blows my mind. That. That was done in camera. Okay, do you know how they did that? They literally yeah, just we, uh, rotated the... They just had um, the camera uh, locked down. And uh, to to the set for a green screen, and then they just rotated it as the actors walked in um, perfectly in unison. So they they just rotated it. But when you see it projected back, uh, when even because the, the camera is locked down on the actual uh, I just can't set, imagine it looks convincing. Yeah. So, um, but uh, what was I saying earlier? Uh, oh yeah, here's uh, where sh- even more shits changing around. Um, but. Uh, Oh, what was I saying? Um, it was, I think it was about uh, uh, the dreams. This uh, might be my favorite Ellen Page performance. No, Juno. Sorry. I love Juno to death, but this is probably, Juno is the I, is yeah. Movie. She's gr- oh, she's fantastic in Juno, but this is probably my favorite performance that I've seen her in. That and probably the Umbrella Academy super show on Netflix. Yeah. Also super super was- yes <laughs> yeah. Now this is the shot that um, Nolan totally stole from Paprika. Like when she okay. shatters the glass, mm-hmm. that's straight up. In see the movie. now I gotta go back and I gotta see that movie now that. Yeah, please just, do so. Now I have to kind of like pick out all the different things from Inception from that movie. Um, and wait, how long was it? Like, when did Paprika come out? Was it pretty? Two thousand six, like, so about like four well, years prior. Fairly, fairly not too long before. Inception. I'm pretty because I'm pretty sure because I know. I think Inception was like two thousand ten. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do know that it took like Nolan about eight years to write the oh, script. It says it right there. Yes, right here. <laughs> Boom. You've got the IMDb page popped up. <laughs> um, but uh, Nolan, he wrote, I think he wrote the movie in about, I think it took him like about eight years to write it. Oh, I believe, I believe that like it took him a very him long a very time, long to, do time it. to write a movie like this. And it wasn't until like he made something big like, you know, Batman and Dark Knight where he's like, okay, I feel like I'm in a good spot to do this sort of I, thing. And it's also like, if, and because, you know, also think that that, because that movie was so successful, it probably gave them the green light to yep. do something Absolutely. like, so like, like Okay, like, you did our Batman movie. Now you can now do what you the can fuck do you want. Passion project. You it can do whatever mirrors, the hell you want. Like, it also kind of mirrors to me, uh, going back to Batman, when Tim Burton did his Batman. Yep. He, they ended up giving the green light to do Edward Scissorhands. Yep. I think like right after that, because yep. they were just like, okay, Batman's successful. Go do whatever you want now. Yep. Do whatever yeah. the hell you do want. Do your passion. Do your passion project. Mm-hmm. And that was another movie too that I think took a few years for him to write that t- as well. Yep. Yeah. Oh shit! This part where she, she just straight up kills her. <laughs> Damn woman. Um. But uh, uh, what was I? Shit! I keep losing my train of thought. Um. 
It, I think it was about. Uh, uh, oh yeah, the the conversation while they were in the cafe is um, how uh, they always seem to just like drop in the middle of a dream. Like you never remember how uh, where you or how you got there. You're just there and you accept it and you go along with uh, the dream that you're going in. And it's not until you wake up you, you look realize... at the concept of dreaming very differently after you see a movie like this. Well, he, well, no, yeah. it's like um, when the, your dream is over, you realize there was you're know, like, wow, that was fucked up. But I, while I was watching, while I was experiencing the dream, <clears throat> it totally made sense, even though it doesn't now. Um, that's kind of like watching a movie. Like you just drop right. into a, a story, mm-hmm. you don't know really how you got there, but you're just kind of going along with it. And it wasn't until like you after get you get out you look up Cinema Sins and see what's wrong with it. <laughs> so um, yeah, he kind of really says like uh, you know, m- watching movies is a lot like dreaming. In a way, yeah, yeah. I it's mean... it's the it's a kind of show for your mind. That's what go- that's what goes on when and you're this dreaming. This is the ultimate version of that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really crazy how uh, he because this movie is so freaking meta. Oh yeah, that's, that's especially what... when you were talking earlier about uh, the the metaphor of it being a film crew. Yes, the, yeah. so the, and they are literally manufacturing yeah. dreams for people to experience. That's exactly what a filmmaker does. Absolutely, um, and that's what I've really been like wanting to do for a number of years. Is because um, you know how now we're introduced to yes, good old Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. This was the first, I think this was probably the first movie I saw him in. Really, I might have been because I think because I don't remember. Because he did Dark Knight Rises, which was after this, and yes. then he did The Revenant, which was right after. Yep. And then, yeah, this might be, might have been, I could, that might be the first thing I ever saw Tom No, Hardy. actually, I can tell you, probably the first movie you've seen him in, and it's also uh, the first for mine, because it's actually one of his very first movies. He was in Star Trek... Um, Nemesis. Nemesis. No, even before that, he was in Black Hawk Down. Was he in Black Hawk Down? He was Down? so in Black Hawk Down. I guarantee you, that's actually one of his first movies. Who is he in Black Hawk Down? Uh, he was um, one of the other. The t- you remember those two gunners that got left behind from like the convoy, and uh, they one have, of them was Tom Hardy. That one of them was Tom Hardy. I assure you. Shit, I gotta go back and watch. That. I know, dude. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at. I was actually rewatching. I'm like, holy shit, it's Tom Hardy, and I looked it up on IMDb. I did not catch that's, that. That's totally one of his early roles, oh and actually, actually, I think his very first role was in Band of Brothers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was a uh, right. He was a uh, uh, private Janovich who uh, tragically got hit by a. Uh, now I remember him in Band of Brothers, but I gotta go back and watch Black Hawk Down now because yeah. I did not catch him in that. I've actually, I'm pretty sure wow. because he was in uh, Band of Brothers, because um, of yeah, he got cast for uh, Black Hawk Down, which makes perfect sense. Makes I sense. Mean, <laughs> oh, well, you know who else was like um, uh, another big, big breakout role for uh, uh, Band of Brothers. Um, uh, oh God! Who's the who's the uh, the young Professor Xavier James James McAvoy? Mac- James McAvoy. That was one of his first roles, and so was Michael Fassbender. Michael interesting. Fassbender. It's interesting. Uh, Damien like, Damien Lewis. Da- Damien Lewis had a yeah. couple roles before that, but he wasn't. But that was like a that was the one w- that made him big. And then the guy from Friends. Yes, uh, David Schwimmer. <laughs> yes, David Schwimmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, d- dude, totally. Like, there's a lot enough. of breakout, like minor, ca- like a lot of the minor characters in Band of Brothers. Now I gotta they... go back and watch Black Hawk Down and look specifically for Tom Hardy. Yes, <laughs> he's a skinny little fuck in that movie. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> Not where he bulked up major for Bane. Now here we got one of the really cool chase sequences Black throughout here. Black Hawk Down. Yeah. 
No, you will remember the fire. You thought Inception was the first movie you ever saw me in. Oh, I can, no way. He's a band of brothers. You think darkness is your ally? Well, you merely adopted the dark. And now Leo is being chased throughout Mombasa. I conquered Mombasa. Well, this whole thing there is Bane now. Including the coffee shop. <laughs> this whole thing is Bane now. Yeah, that, oh, that'd be an That's awful... Tom Hardy's Bane, that, not Batman and Robin Bane. Oh, the, well, Batman and Robin Bane is just... Bane! Bane. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, anyway, we, I really do love this uh, this... Chasing, this especially is a great the chasing, especially the music. Even though now that music has been copied like fifty different times in other Hans Zimmer's score in this is just—it's pretty cool. One of the best scores, I mean, in recent years. It's a little overrated, but yeah, it's pretty damn good. I mean, I just—I would just love because Hans Zimmer's been doing a lot of concerts now in yes. recent years, which I don't I blame him. I can only <laughs> imagine, and I can only imagine just the energy in that crowd when he starts playing "Time." Oh, from Inception, yeah. Yeah. I just I just would love to just be in the audience when that when he starts playing that. It's yes. Just, now this is one of the more yeah. awkward shots of the movie where I wasn't shout quite, out to Hans Zimmer. Yes, one of the um, greats of all time. I wasn't quite sure how that worked. Like he, it, it was so narrow that he could barely fit through. Even though you clearly can see, he if he just turns his body, he can get through. But whatever. That's that's probably the biggest nitpick of this movie that I have. Is that right. one awkward shot? But to be fair, it's very hard to get a camera I mean, really, lens the nitpick, in there. I mean, the nitpick for me in this movie is like they don't really. Again, it's a small nitpick. But we were talking about earlier that they don't really know where they are. They don't uh, really I, no, actually, that. that's no, that's totally fine. Because yeah, it, I mean, it's a small nitpick, but I get why. No, 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 yeah. no. They actually, they totally do. You just, yeah. it's really easy to miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that's yeah. not even a, that's no problem with me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, now Adriadne is coming back because he's like, yeah, I even though it's fuck, even though Cobb's clearly fucking crazy, um, as an architect, this is too cool of a uh, toy to deal with. Now there we have. The Infinite Staircase, the Penrose Step, Steps uh, mo made very famous by uh, artist M.C. Escher. I'm a big fan of Escher, too. Like, I, I really love wow. his surreal approaches uh, to It looks, to the architecture like this. of this looks very, yeah, it looks very. That's all done yeah. in camera. Oh, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Dude, seriously, they actually had to get just the right lens, just the right angle, and just the right uh, crane move, camera operated came, crane movement in order to sell that look, which is nuts. The only CG that involved in there is uh, the, it, the Penrose Steps was held up by like some brackets and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They just uh, erased the brackets in post. That's it. Otherwise, that's all in, in camera, which is crazy. Because um, I don't think anyone has ever attempted to do like impossible shapes inside of a live-action movie. Because, again, that's something so much easier to do in animation. Imagine, oh, yeah, because like you can really yeah. you can totally see that the, I can totally see this movie being which in is another anime. which is I mean, yeah, which is another reason of why uh, the took a lot of inspirations from anime. From mm -hmm. this. Yeah, I mean, even down to the camera movements oh, and yeah, angles absolutely. and even the choice yeah. of characters like, dude, uh, like look at Ellen Page right here. 
She could totally be an anime. Absolutely. Right here. Yeah. Well, she <laughs> was in, uh, it's not an anime game, but what was, there was a video game that she was a part of. Like, oh, oh, uh, Beyond Two Souls. Beyond the Two Souls, yeah. That wasn't an anime. Uh, but it was definitely yeah. inspired by. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and even like where they, how he shoots his backgrounds like this. I could, now that you say that, I could totally see Ellen Page in an anime Oh story. my God. Yes. Someone get totally, on that. I could totally see that. But yeah, even right here where. Well, the Umbrella like, uh, Academy a little bit has kind of takes some yeah, elements here and there. Yeah. But, but even the way he sh composes the backgrounds, like the color scheme and everything, um, not mm -hmm. to mention the use of like really deep focus that uh, he and Walter Feister are very famous for. Um, these backgrounds do feel like if they were painted in as like painted backgrounds, they could totally be anime backgrounds for this movie. Oh, yeah. A lot of it feels so much alike anime, which is why I'm putting this in with it. With it because Chris Nolan with this movie d did so much that I wanted to do with my future films. If I actually made it and got money to make passion projects like he does, uh, I always wanted to make a movie uh, that would be kind of a uh, meta. Well, not really a meta um, movie, but more like a a movie that could only be done. As uh, as the in the medium of film, because uh, you know how uh, Alan Moore, uh, he and Dave Gibbons wrote Watchmen, mm -hmm. and they sought out to write a story that could only be done in comics and show off uh, what comics can fully do. Right. I always wanted to make the movie that could do that for movies. That could only be on film. Yeah, and okay. to a certain yeah. extent, while also being very because I if I was going to do it, I would be so meta about it. Like I have like a, a like a uh, an outline treatment about it where you know like beings come down. I don't really want to go to it because um, a it slows down the, the podcast and b I don't want anyone stealing it. Um, yeah, don't give that away. <laughs> no, but <laughs> this um, is your idea. If you end up making it and I getting hope to make so. your passion project someday, just keep that to yourself. Before, yeah, you know, I hope so. But yeah, anyway, keep that I, to yourself. You don't want anyone taking that idea. But in a way, he kind of did a lot of things that. I wanted to do in radically different ways, but um, he, he, he kind of did that. He also almost did it for an interstellar because I was like, oh, my God, he's doing time. Tr he's doing like space time continuum and all this stuff. Like, how are you going to do? Uh, I think like, Interstellar's he's... problem for me was the story. Oh, it totally was. I was. I mean, the visual effects standpoint from Interstellar was fucking phenomenal. Well, like because uh, I always wanted because I always uh, like deconstructed okay what is mo what are, makes movies really unique as a medium and right. it's editing because mm -hmm. oh, that's yeah, where you sure. really that's, put together that, in it. that's arguably the most important job on a on in film as soon as he was done with this movie and i he was going to do dark knight rises i'm like okay whatever he does next he's probably going to crack that code for finding the movie that could only be done in movies like it's also oh, right. about yeah. it's about making sure. it's about movies it's about making movies and it can only be done in movies. And I felt like he almost he came close to this, but he didn't quite push it far enough. And when Interstellar came out, he's like, space-time continuum. Film editing is about warping space and time and rhythm. And I'm like, Again, oh my god. Again, it only can exist in, only can I, exist in yeah, film. Yeah, I saw the trailer and I'm like, oh my god, he's going to do it. He's going to crack the code yeah. with this movie. And I was like depressed when I saw it, <laughs> when I went to go see it, because I'm like, no, he's going to do it. And then I was happy because it was awful. Because 
I'm like, yes, yeah. it's still possible yeah, for me to crack the code. Po- it's still possible to crack the code, <laughs> just not with that. Oh God, no! But not with that one. He came close. He yes, came, he did. And, he came close. And it, I'm glad that that movie was a failure because there, I've learned a lot of lessons from Interstellar that I want to put into the my little treatment. Learn what not to do. Yes. As far as, far as yeah. So hopefully that'll be a thing one day. God willing. But now here the uh, the gang is uh, checking up on their audience their audience member um, uh, Rob uh, Robert Fisher who actually I really love the, how they named him specifically Robert Fisher named after the great chess player Bobby Fisher yes yes because I know uh, uh, chess is kind of a because as you know uh, Nolan is a big student of Kubrick. As most film students are. Absolutely. But he I cannot... I mean, if there was one filmmaker I would acute uh, Christopher Nolan to, it would be Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Um, And as you know, Stanley Kubrick was an amazing chess player and referenced chess a lot. I mean, right before Interstellar, he always talked about how 2001 Space Odyssey was like the... Oh, it still like, is. Still is like the yeah. That's that's he actually. Said, well, that's I think that was one of the things he said he was making his two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad. Wasn't it, quite that, but no. Um, uh, he but he still, had a you know, he, he assembled the, yeah. he assembled a beautiful beautiful gun to fire into the universe, mm-hmm. and it kind of jammed on him. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Kubrick's right. fired perfectly. Oh, it's, <laughs> no one can ever duplicate what Kubrick did. No, 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 no. Like two thousand lifetime. I've I've always said that uh, Lawrence of Arabia is probably the pinnacle of narrative cinema, but two thousand and one is the pinnacle of cinema. Period. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, the movie that that movie. Yeah, that is that tr- would be an interesting one to do. On I want to do that one sometime. So, yeah. but in sometime in the future, I, you know, shit. You know, I should, probably should have done that um, uh, last month for the uh, the uh, what was it the uh, the fiftieth anniversary for the moon landing. That would have been a good one. Oh, that would have been a perfect one to do. Oh, maybe I'll just wait for another fifty years. <laughs> yeah. Just nah. put that on. Just put that in the notes. Yep. Fifty way years. Down the line. 2001. All right. So now these guys are trying to find out as much as they can about Killian Murphy and uh, his uncle and his dad. Um, and I really love that uh, he's actually uh, uh, like visit not just visiting the man, but also trying to like pick up on his mannerisms yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Which is, you know, exactly what an uh, uh, what an actor would go out and to do. Because mm-hmm. right here, this is the filmmaking uh, conference. Like you have all the exec producers, you have the writers, and you have the director in there, and they're just bashing out their concept for the movie and how they're going to make it work. Right. Like that's the, that's the, literally every every uh, dinner over uh, the as soon as the 48 hour film festival kicks in that's that's what that process is mm-hmm. is just bashing out okay here's what we need to do how are we going to do it you know and <clears throat> so now ariadne of very course very much mirrors that process yes it does yeah and so ariadne has just finished her uh her little totem <coughs> which appropriately is a nice chess pawn which is really cool another little visual reference to to chess in this movie because, um, as you know, his movies are very logical yes, the, in that sort of thing. No, not very, no, no. Yeah. Very, very logical <laughs> no and mathematical. Very yes. left brain hemisphere, oh, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, so, and, of course, what I really love is the uh, the idea of having a, 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 a totem uh, top. Because in the dreams, it just spins and spins and spins. And 
he always has to keep spinning that thing to re- make sure that he's not dreaming, mm-hmm. which is a lovely, lovely little. It's idea. a great little, yeah. It's a, and it really, like, and it, so actually that brings up the idea: if you were to make a totem, what would it be? Hmm. Yeah. Good That's question, right? Good question. What would yours be? Um, I would manufacture like a coin that I would engrave myself. I was gonna say for me it would probably be it would probably be a coin of some sort. Now, well, I mean, yeah, you, you, well, they they did mention that. Oh, can it just be like a coin or something? Like, no, it has to be a little bit more unique. So it would have to be That's, a coin. Yeah, that, I mean, I haven't really, I don't ever really thought about that. That's the first thing that I would go to. <clears throat> it would probably be a coin, but yeah. See, well, I would make, I would actually press a coin myself and then engrave it with my own. But and of course, see that's just like unique the, enough. Yeah, and to make it a little bit more, just because I really love the top always spinning to, like that's when you know you're dreaming. Oh sure, you just spin the coin, just spin the coin, and see that it's always dreaming. So that's that's me. Hmm, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. You know, it could be yeah. like just about anything. Like, although I do really love the idea of having a, a little chess pawn, like that. The, Oh, that could be a good... Well, uh, that's Ariadne, yeah. remember. So, like, yeah. it, it could be just about anything. You know what? Carve, uh, you know what you should do? Carve, like, something out of wood. And make it yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what would you carve? Oh, man, I don't know. Just carve, like, a little... Uh... Oh, man. That's a, tough, that's a tough question. I don't know what I would make do. Make something cool. Make yeah. something like a... I'd have to make like something a little, really cool that's very different from... And how about a really skull? A skull. <laughs> No, dude. Seriously, dude, a skull. Yeah, like carve a little, uh, little, little uh, just a skull little tiny skull out, out of wood. wood. Yeah, man. Hmm. Go for that. Do it. We'll make our own little totems. It'll, it'll be great. And just spin the skull. Just, no, I'm not. No, it just glow. <laughs> it, it just glows red every time. The eyes glows Terminator red. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I would do. Make the Terminator. Just make the Terminator head. It just glows red every time. That'd be my totem. There we go. Oh, you definitely know if you're in a nightmare or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Go. Okay. There. That was like some of our early visual references of uh, uh, designing all the the worlds. Can you imagine do like actually being able to design that sort of thing? It's very rare that it happens in cinema. Well, no, like, yeah. um, I mean, just like to be able to design dreams. Although, to a certain extent, if you train your mind to do that, you can. Do you dream? Have you ever yeah, had? Dream, have you ever had out. any weird dreaming experiences? Absolutely. Like, there's one that I've had uh, several times, where, um, right in the middle of the dream, I'll see something weird, and I'll be like, "Wait a minute!" Did you see something? Oh yeah, and you just see something out of the corner of your eye that has nothing to do like with the dream that you're in. Yeah, and you, yeah, or just so, oh, just something oh, that I've triggers that, your I've, mind. Yeah, and you just and realize, it's usually like you wake up right after you see that. Oh, here's something that yeah. I've actually um, yeah. no, that's I've, some, I've had that happen to me so so many times. No, but here's something that's really been interesting. How I deal with it, I'll notice something's weird and I'll realize that I'm dreaming, but I'm like. Fuck it. I'm going to keep dreaming because this is an interesting show. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you ever, has that ever happened to you? Like, cause, Did you just want to stay in a dream? Yeah. Oh, cause absolutely. Because like, yeah. like, you want to find out what that is. You want to well, find out I want to exactly see where things go. The, yes. Oh, yeah. Like Because your mind does, does some amazing things when you really um, focus in on it. Like, I don't know if... What, actually, um, while, they're, uh, while these guys are planning their moves and whatnot and... I actually do love this little moment, the kick. <laughs> <laughs> Just sizing them up. <laughs> um, but uh, what's probably one of the weirdest dream experiences you've ever had? Probably one of the weirdest dream experiences I've yeah. ever had? 
I mean, it 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 mostly revol. You know what's weird? It mostly revolves around movies. Oh, really? It's a weird thing because like it usually is after something that I've seen. You will love Paprika because there's a lot it's of so, that. Because like I'll have a dream about like, say it's like. You like you have a normal dream where you're you know sitting in a classroom or whatever mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of class and then all of a sudden I'll see I'll see I'll see the two little girls from The Shining. Nope, which is weird. Nope, nope. <laughs> it's so and it's usually but it's so weird is that you it'll usually be like right after I've seen that particular movie. Mm-hmm. So like something will pop up like I'll see the two little girls from The Shining in whatever setting that I'm in. Yep, <laughs> and it'll usually be right after I've seen The Shining because that scene in The Shining is forever burned into my brain and everybody else's brains who've seen the film. Yes. And or, you know, or something like, you know, it's a it's a it's like a good dream or like a good thing that you want to see like all of a sudden like I'll be, you know, uh, I'll be someplace and then all of a sudden the DeLorean will just come whizzing around the corner. Cool. You ever get in? <laughs> of course. Yeah, you bitch. Get in. Yeah, I want to I want to stay in that dream forever. Hell yeah. <laughs> Weirdest one that I've ever had is one that actually made me question whether or not the matrix so that's is real. probably why because you know like I'm, i have such a movie brain i just it wouldn't surprise me that, that yeah i kind of had one too but yeah but although, were you saying like you're involved mm-hmm. of all the matrix no not quite uh it convinced me that the matrix actually might be real mm. like we're all living in it because i actually remember what was this dream i w- i woke up uh, I'm interested in hearing this well i mean yeah we'll we'll just keep going because i know that I know there's there's shit going on in the movie, but I figure well, since we're going into like the deep dark part of Cobb's it, mind, it fits with the movie. We're about to go to the deep yes. dark part of Tim's mind because yes. here, all right. See so, now you have to set that up. Yes, um, yeah. uh, and uh, I I actually woke up in like uh, this room fo- that felt like it was made out of uh, m- uh, machinery, kind of like from the Matrix, but. It didn't mm. look, but it was a lot more jagged, kind of like the uh, the jagged art you would see in uh, Samurai Jack or something like that. Okay. But uh, a oh. lot more sharp and jagged. And I was uh, in this room with needles all over my body. And I was being hoisted up from my arms. And there was a giant tube down my throat. And there wasn't... Mm, oh, now, my God. Oh, yeah. Now, there wasn't, like uh, like, tubes. It was needles. Ooh, ugh, I hate needles. I w- and I woke up and I saw this and I actually and there was like an alarm going off like this. I can't describe the sound. It was it was I w- it wasn't sure if it was like mechanical or organic or biological or what. But it uh, and the entire room was bathed in like a uh, um, a dark, almost like a uh, a dark room for photography in that kind of a red. Right. Um. And I literally, with a force that I can't tell you how I got ripped from my uh the needles out of me tearing and pu- pulling uh p- bits of flesh along the way Ooh. and in a panic oh i pulled the like tube pulled out of the tube out of your mouth and it went from literally from it felt like it went from my chest all the way out to my out of my mouth oh my god and i actually managed to get off the uh, the, the the little pedestal that i was on and fall forward and i passed out from the pain but the crazy part is the dream kept going Usually that's that's the crazy that's the really weird part is the dream kept going after I passed out from sheer pain. Usually that's when it wakes you up. Right. But it didn't. So all I heard was like these uh 
like thousands and thousands of tiny little spider things coming towards me. And I saw like red dots through a tunnel. And then I looked and there was another tunnel and there was like a amber red, bright amber red light at the end. So I just made my way towards it and I could see um, literally these spider things, not on, not just on the floor, but on the walls and the ceiling all headed towards me. And when I got to the end, I saw the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was a city that looked like it was grown out of the, not just the, um, huh. n- uh, not just out of the, the ground, but through the ceiling and the, and the, uh, uh, the, the, the horizon and the sky, it all felt like it was self-contained and yet never all, constantly expanding out of all the wow. same jagged material. And I thought about just jump. And what I saw was uh, at the bottom were thousands and thousands, millions maybe of humanity being ripped apart and tortured. The screams echoed forever. Holy shit. And I looked back and I thought about just jumping and ending myself. But I looked and saw there was a machine like this crab-like machine that uh, gazed up on me because the spiders stopped and um, just kind of quartered me there. And it grabbed it, and it actually uh, shot out a spike through my arm and uh, wrapped itself around my uh, my collarbone and hoisted me through the city. And I saw images of tortured people projected almost like Times Square up on the sides of the buildings, oh while people were being what looked like they were fighting, all naked, all uh, all uh, uh, bare skinned. Um, no hair, completely hairless, just being ripped apart to shreds. Holy shit. Men, 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 women, children, everything. Oh my god! And I passed out again from the pain and the uh, just the uh, the over bit of it. And then I remember being on a cold slab with a bright light on my face and these octopus-like eyes, red eyes gazing upon me. And there were oh, a this couple. This is a great. This is a great scene. Yes. And then they were uh, sticking needles in me, and I kept got flashes of more pain. And then I woke up in a cold sweat, almost because I could. Pro, could yeah. I felt like I was being plugged back in. I mean, if that so, doesn't convince me that the Matrix is probably maybe yeah, that's when I was. Real. That's when I was like, yeah. okay, if the Matrix is real, I'm cool in here. I don't want to go back to that. I'm good. <laughs> I'm really good. I'll be glad to stay in here and do podcasts for the rest of my life. Yes, you, you do what you do. So, um, yeah, that was a really dark turn for this yeah, podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah. It fits, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. Because the idea. Yes, because yeah. right here we're going. I've again, never had anything that. I've never had intense. That intense. Be glad right. you don't. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, intense I've had is the girl, the, the two, the two sh- the Grady children, the Grady children from The Shining, mm. which will mess anyone up. Yeah, but uh, of course. Thing. To but be, this is a great, but yeah, because yeah, the way we went. Oh yeah, we're watching a movie. <laughs> we, oh yeah, we're watching a movie. We so we went. This this is the uh, the the dark part of uh, uh, Dom's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's mind, mm-hmm. where he uh, is. It kind of imprisons Mal, his wife, in here. It's it's kind of sick, almost like he's keeping her alive in her dreams, and yet at the same time, that's keeping a prisoner of her in her own mind. If that makes sense. Yeah, right. I think that makes sense. I don't think it, words just fall out of my mouth. <laughs> no, I think I think it it, it it's an, again and that's another one of those concepts that you get more like multiple viewings off of. For yes, sure, yeah. that's very true. Yeah, um, but would've, uh, I wouldn't have gotten that the first time. Yeah. No way. Hmm. It's well, it's still um, just him. You know, 
holding just holding on to the loss i mean if you especially if you could keep you know a loved one alive in your dreams wouldn't you oh for sure absolutely even though that's really unhealthy for your day job because <laughs> she's the one who comes in and is just keep constantly pulling back the curtain so they can't do the job because you need to keep waking up you need to kill yourself which out of all the ideas to plant in your head isn't that like the worst one possible? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. And right, so okay, so now we're about to uh, board the uh, the airplane that takes them on the flight, where they can do their job. My um, favorite, my favorite. Your favorite what? My favorite, one of my favorite scenes in this movie, probably. Oh really? You may be one of them. I mean, there's multiple favorite scenes. I, I mean. So now everyone's getting yeah. on board. And of course, they had, as you said, as they uh, mentioned yeah. before, they had to buy out the entire uh, um, uh, first class because, you know, this it's in the actual nose of the uh, the seven forty seven. Now, okay, yeah, there's a detail coming up that actually kind of blew my mind when I read about it. When you you see uh, the passport uh, that they just uh, you know swiped, um, if you look closely, the picture there that is Chris, that is a young Christopher Nolan. I shit you not. I had mm. to. I still have. I, I don't know whether or not that's true or not, but I read about that and I looked at it. And I'm like, you know, is it? Nolan kind of looks like uh, Killian, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, which is weird, really weird. Because now I'm putting those two act, those two people side by side as l- looking at their face. I'm like, oh shit, they really are really, <laughs> really similar. It makes you think if they're if they're. Uh... Well, to be fair, I mean, they, oh, to be fair, he is in like every other uh, every other movie. Law, yeah. He's kind of yeah, he is, is it? yeah. He is. Um, he's kind of, again. He's kind of, uh, like Michael Caine. He's kind of a lucky charm with Chris Nolan. Oh yeah, because he was in Batman Begins. Uh, he was in uh, Dark Knight Rises, and uh, I believe was he in uh, Interstellar? Oh, he was. All, he was also in Dunkirk. He was in Dunkirk. Yes. I don't think he was in the Presti- no. He wasn't in the Prestige. Was no. He? no. No. I almost thought he was, but he wasn't. Um, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's another one of Nolan's go-tos. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so now we're about to actually go into the main, the main mind heist, if you will. Yes. Because <clears throat> now we got them all doused in, um, and now right here the uh, the stewardess. That's I believe that is Nolan Christopher Nolan's sister. Is it really? Yes. Oh wow. She got a nice little. Cameo. I know that Christopher Nolan produces a lot of movies with his wife. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, apparently... But I didn't know that that uh, actress who played the stewardess was actually Chris Nolan's sister. Yep. Wow. Uh, I believe they gave him that little bit part. Um, so now we're about to uh, go down go down in... Um, Let's do a Coppola thing where they cast the family. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> and we're about to jump in in three, two, two one. one. Boom. <laughs> Big Inception blah. And right now, it's jump right into Los Angeles traffic while it's raining. Um, and I really love this line coming up where they go. Where they go? You couldn't have peed before you went under. Sorry, it was free champagne. <laughs> Bit too much free champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually kind of makes sense. Have you ever? Uh, now I've never had that experience where I drank a little bit too much water and it was raining in my dream. That's never happened to me. No, that's that never a- happened to me. Uh, well, no. it is, but it is like a, a fun little common trope that the they do. The fact that, like, if you drink too much water, it rains in your dreams. Yeah, you know? I love this never, part. That's never happened to me in a dream. Did you notice that cab, cab driver just disappeared as soon as he said, walk away? Yeah. 
It's now see, I that it's it's pro, it's obviously the actor just walked you know out of frame and yeah, whatnot. Prob- yeah. But within the world of the uh, the dream, did he just like disappear as soon as he pointed a gun at him? I mean, this yeah. That's weird, That's isn't it? Wouldn't that be? Because, yeah. <laughs> as you know, shit gets weird when you start dreaming. Um, although, you know what was really fun that I found out? Uh, they were shooting in Los Angeles during the summer for the sequence. Okay. Um, but, as you know, it almost never rains in Los Angeles, especially with this kind of downpour. So they just set up a bunch of rain machines. But the weird part was, half the time it was sunny days that they were shooting. So how do you do overcast photography uh, while it's raining? But... Half the time that he just kind of embraced the sun and said, you know what, screw it, it's a dream anyway. Yeah, I mean... Which, no, I think, yeah. I wish they actually went all the way with it, because, you know, it would be like, no, that makes perfect sense. It's sunny outside, but it's rain, but it's pissing rain. It's it, it doesn't make sense visually, but you go with it because it's a dream. Oh, that would be interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah that'd just be really be cool. Complete, oh, yeah, just like have it be complete sunny... Yeah, guys, but it's raining. I would totally like I, no clouds. What's oh yeah, that, it, wow, that'd be very interesting. And in, at times you can kind of see it, especially in the background, because I know at least for the you can kind of see the sunny spots. Well, in yeah. uh, well, when you look way down the streets, you can because yeah, um, I know while like in the area that they were shooting, they had these huge, huge flags like held up by cranes, mm-hmm. um, to you know flag off the the sunlight and whatnot. But obviously they can't do that for the entire street. But so, um, you know, like you see, when you look down the street, you can kind of see the sun going out. But again, it actually adds to the dreamlike a- um, atmosphere of this this uh, this gunfight. Um, speaking of which, they, I can't believe they actually uh, got the permits to do like a straight up gunfight in the middle of the Los Angeles street. You know, even oh, for man. Hollywood, that's that's kind of ridiculous. You know. Especially with the amount of stunts that they were doing. Because that's the other thing. Uh, they're doing these stunt cars in the rain. Um, shit gets slick. You know? Oh, yeah. Especially in Los Angeles. Because like, there's a lot of pollution out there. And when it gets uh, wet, it gets really slippery. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. They ha- I, I, um, I, it, kudos to the, uh, the, the stunt drivers out there. Because, man, that's nuts. And, of course, we also saw that Saito's been hit. So, introduced error, as uh, <laughs> we uh, we makers are call- uh, tend to coin it. Because um, now we got re- just realized that we can't die in this, otherwise we're going to go into limbo. And if we go into limbo, we're going to be in there for like 50, 100 years. Although, I don't know... I, I, Actually, that's the other thing about this movie. When Saito does eventually go to Limbo, he ages like seventy years or whatnot. Oh yeah. How does he remember to? How does he remember the uh, the the number of the phone call from that point? Or is it because? It it, it, it uh, is it because uh, I don't know. It, it's weird. Like the because uh, you know how when you well you know yeah not really. It's just yeah. because like when you wake up from a dream. Um, you almost immediately forget it, right? Yeah. This, so I guess in a way, like even though he lived an entire life down there, he kind of it, it kind of like was expunged from his memory and mind mm-hmm. almost instantaneously. So I guess, I mean, you would think he would at least write it down for himself just in case. Sure. 
but because like for me, if you like just wrote it down, because he gives him a look, and then he dials the number. Yeah, the number. Yeah. But for me, I wish he would have been like he pulled like a number out of his like a a card out of his his jacket or whatnot. That would have made sense. But again, like really really small nitpicks here. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean. You, I mean, I, generally when you review a movie, you have to be objective, and you like have totally. to find. And again, it's yeah, yeah. The movie that's is the, thing. the movie is a dream. No, yeah, exactly. So you can print. So that's one of the things. Like you have a more if if the, if the whole movie is a dream, then you have to kind of give a little bit more of a pass on some of the great little great nitpicks here and there. Yeah, you know, because it's just like oh, you know, it's a dream. Who cares? You know. So here's another really big question. Um when even when you know uh, they're not dreaming, the movie's perfect. But, well, even when they're not dreaming, and uh, especially at the very end of the movie, like, is he still dreaming? In your opinion, like at the end of the or, yeah, is the entire the the is movie? the entire movie like an entire is the entire movie a dream? Like, is nothing real? Because that's I mean, what the, the end of the movie kind of leads me to believe that, like that he's still in a dream. You know what I? Way. You know what I like to think. I actually, I actually like to think that that by the end of this movie, that he's still in the dream. We'll have to we'll have to discuss our thoughts because that's a big debate of the movie. I, I think that I actually think after like so many viewings, I'm like, I think he's still dreaming. Aren't we all? Is Aren't we all? Uh, is but is but life a dream? <laughs> <laughs> So now these guys are ready to shake him up, find out what they what he knows. God, God I really. <clears throat> I'll try to think. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting that um, Killian Murphy is just kind of going along with this kidnapping kind of dream. I wonder if he. I actually wonder if they played that up with uh, like you know certain insecurities. Because you know how rich people, you know, real rich people are. Oh yeah. Always like uh, looking over their shoulder for. Um, anyone begging for money or whatnot. Oh, and then this part, which I thought was really cool, where uh, they have um, uh, Eames. Yes, Eames, played by Tom uh, uh, <clears throat> Tom Hardy. Hardy. Yes. What can't words right now. <laughs> um, In his but, nice uh, suit, which is how you know it's a Nolan movie. Always. Um, <laughs> although this effect really is really cool with the mirrors. In this shot, you see, you, you look closely, you see Tom Berenger in there. And then again, oh, and then when it cuts yeah. back to, it's more of it's one more mirror with him in it, and then it's him as is. And but in the reflection in that last shot, it was Tom Hardy again. No one really knows how to fuck with you like that. I love it. But um, it's like one of those like pictures you see like once you see it you'll shit bricks or whatever. Yes, <laughs> yes. Although like uh, things on the internet. Well, yeah, but yeah. it's crazy because like, um, even if that was a visual effect, that should be the tagline of the poster. <laughs> when you see, see it, it you'll, you'll shit, shit bricks. bricks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I. It's even if that was a visual effect with the mirrors, that's still really hard to pull off because Tom Berenger oh, has to. Really hard. He has to do the exact moment movements that Tom Hardy's making and vice versa. Yeah, because it's yeah. In a way, you have to kind of like the way one person turns the other person has to turn the other way in order for it kind of appear that's such a headache and i think yeah, only no you know one what i mean like only no like, one has like the the the, the brain power to render that kind yeah, of that kind of equation in order for them to appear to be doing the same thing yep it's it's yeah. it's mind-bending i think the i think the only uh crazier thing that was even harder to maintain was uh when they were shooting titanic um 
and during the Southampton bits, mm-hmm. they have the side of the ship there, but it's the wrong side. So they actually inverted all the text and they just inverted the footage entirely. So that way it was on the right side. But on set, you had to constantly mirror image yourself when necessary. And it's just like, ow, <laughs> my head. <laughs> Like the poor continuity girl is just sitting there, just like crying. Oh, oh that's the other thing about the, like movie like a movie like this, or say Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I love. That's one of my all time favorites. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is fantastic. Um, that's another movie that you yeah. can compare this movie to. In a way, you can. Yeah, I've um, heard some people kind of compare. Well, see, them. this movie is about dreams. Yeah. Eternal Sunshine is about memory. Memory and sort of wanting you to like forget memory and like mm-hmm. like erase memories that are painful from your past yep. and all that yeah yep. um uh, and they both are very uh low like low on the visual effects and more just about really clever um surreal uh, editing and placing oh yeah which i can only i, I just cry for the poor uh um script supervisor on set and because i can imagine a script supervisor on either a movie like this or a movie like eternal sunshine they just got to be like they're just like in the corner oh, crying <laughs> just sitting like in their desk like in like on their trailers on set just like <laughs> sitting under their desk just being like oh, <laughs> just fuck? in a fetal po- fetal position <laughs> Or either that, or they're just like slumped in a chair, slumped in a chair with I can't even imagine human ears as a necklace with a <laughs> cigarette just dangling from their lips, like they've been in the numb. Those poor continuity people, they've been in the uh, shit. For especially that. in a movie like this, right? Yeah, oh, like, it hurts. That should be a special honorary Oscar given for that. Oh, dude, seriously, <laughs> like just script supervisor. Well, absolutely script supervisor and continuity man because like for movies like this it can kill you if it gets wrong you know and you know what's another detail that it i completely didn't, re- yeah you know it's another detail that i didn't notice that totally holds up and w- again would have been a total continuity nightmare um is uh Cobb's ring his wedding ring. Oh, oh okay yeah he wears his wedding ring in the dreams but in the real world he does not yeah. You look closely on his left hand in the real in the quote unquote real world. Um he doesn't wear his wedding, his wedding ring. ring is not on his left hand, but in the dream it totally is. Now you're going to keep your eyes open for that for the rest of the movie. Aren't yes, you? I am. <laughs> Believe me, yeah. Every time it shows Leo's hand, left hand, left hand. Yes. Gotta, yeah. That's usually where it is. Yeah, right. Um yeah. that's traditionally how yes. it's supposed to be. Um yes. <clears throat> but uh now we're just like Dude, seriously, you can't talk. Uh, you you gotta get Maul out of here. And he's like, I seriously can't. It's part of my subconscious. I can't let her go. Um, that's that's the other thing about this movie is uh, it's kind of dealing with uh, uh, using dreams as a way of dealing with grief. Also, an- that wow, that's also another really good way for how we look at movies. That's a lot of yeah. Like we'll often often that's what we do is we go to a movie theater. And just escape life for two mo- hours. It's the, it's the most. Fi- it's the most. Yeah. Man, this movie's the most fucking meta. Escape, yeah. <laughs> In your face, Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a well. That's the other thing is. But that's um, a lot of Leonardo DiCaprio's character, right? Yes. It's yes. The fact that he's you know getting over this grief of his wife, you know. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, yeah, there's a. Yeah. 
wedding in the ring dream, in there. He's got the wedding ring on. Mm-hmm. Now I gotta look. See, now I gotta look super close. Of course. <laughs> Although there was another little detail that I kind of read up on that I thought was really cool. Um, and you literally have to freeze frame it in order to see it. But the oh, license plate yeah. uh, that you see in, in uh, the first level of the dreams, like in the rain, mm-hmm. um, the license plate is uh, for alternate state. <laughs> mm. It's not for any specific state. Like, they didn't use California license plates. Instead, they're like old plates that they made themselves. And it's for an alternate state. Which is really mm. fucking meta, dude. Oh, that's another movie that I really need to check out. I haven't actually seen it, and I really wish I have for this movie, um, Alternate States. Oh, okay. Have yeah. you ever heard of it? Oh, yeah, I've heard of Alternate States. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's yeah. like a really great drug movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, damn, I really wish I saw that one, because I know... no, uh, Especially no, after this, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch that and do an episode as, like, a, I'm sorry for any Altered State fans out there. Um, How could you not... You're a filmmaker. You should know everything. You should have seen every movie ever made. Uh, but although I'm pretty sure Nolan's seen like so much, because uh, yeah. actually, do you know that's a tradition for him in the cast? Uh, every time he goes to see a movie or make a movie, um, the first uh, the first day or the first two or three days of any movie that he makes, they don't shoot anything. They actually he actually screens. Like a series of movies that inspired it. him, yeah. and he screens them for the cast and crew. Oh yeah, so they get into the mindset like, oh okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So like, I've heard that about. I've heard that about. Yeah, he's done that. Like, yeah. I, he's done that on virtually every movie, and I oh, would yeah. not be surprised whatsoever if uh, Paprika was one of them. You know, and yeah, and a couple film noir films because this this feels like an anime film noir feature film because uh, I'm always. Uh, because again, uh, it's between the architecture, the f- uh, the camera movements, the backgrounds, the production design, and the ideas that they're doing. Yeah, it feels very Japanese. Um, there's again, there's that cracking of the glass and the. Uh, I really do love the sound design where it's the uh, the 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 ringing glass, mm-hmm. like you would hear like those performers that you know do circle glass and they do make music out of it. It's kind of like that. Good stuff. And then, of course, things get kind of dark. Because she's obviously still, quote-unquote, dreaming. And needs to wake up, even though that requires her to kill herself. And, uh, yeah, man, she really... That that idea really messed with, messed her up. Because um, she, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, when Dom was giving backstory about this, uh, she actually visited a lawyer and said... Um, she actually was uh, um, accusing uh, him of uh, her th- threatening her. So when she commits suicide, she could totally peg it on him. And that just entices him to join her in killing each other. Right. Which I'll be like, damn, woman, you went really to all ends a, to do it. Yeah. Um, of course, then again, for a true inspiration, it's kind of hard to really make someone stop thinking about it. Yeah. Which, again, is one of the really be- beautiful things about the beautifully awful things about the human mind. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think uh, if if you had to d- describe this movie in one word, it would probably be cerebral. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'd yes. say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're uh, 
but yeah, man, she's she's kind of a bitch here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like when you it's like right before she's about no, to get... no seriously, <laughs> no seriously. Like she is basically blackmailing him. He's like, kill yourself so we can wake up because that's because you're not dreaming. You're clearly you're clearly still dreaming. So you need to wake up and do it, or otherwise I'll pin the murder on you. And she's gone. Bye. I just yes. want to point out that Leo probably does screaming and crying like no other in a movie. He makes it convincing, but yes. not, but not to the He's point the where he's the best like, scream. Leo is probably the best scream crier that we have. It's to he's you know? good. He's good, and he doesn't reach that point where you're just like, um, and I quote, "I'm acting." Yeah, yeah, you believe it. You believe it. Yep, it feels natural. 100%, Feel, yeah. Feels candid is the best yeah. compliment you can give it. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're if we're one of, it's actually kind of weird that Chris Nolan makes a lot of his movies with his wife because you notice that That's right, a, yeah. a lot of his pretty much all of his movies like you know close loved ones are always killed or murdered viciously. Yeah, I, I, wa- yeah, I wonder. He, he must, like... He must, Do you like, hate your it, wife or something? Say, like, he must, with every movie, he must, like, sort of, like, work... He must, like, have to, like, to sort of work these issues out before he makes a movie. He has like, a lot. Or, of... or, like, maybe he just... The way he works them out is just put them in his scripts, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, because I'm like... You ha- yeah, you have to wonder, like, because, you know, we have... Uh, um, Instead of going, yeah, because we, we have the parents killed in Batman Begins. We have the wife, uh, um, wife getting dying in, me- in, in, in Memento. In Memento. Memento in pre- the Prestige. Yes, of course. And in Insomnia, mm-hmm. this movie, and uh, I, I believe also in Interstellar too. Yes, dude. Seriously, if you, wow. Chris Nolan, are you sure you and your wife are okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> dude. Oh yeah, there's maybe another. Maybe the scripts is his for therapy. Maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe know. I don't know, but whatever. Either way, it works for me. Although this is another really great. Maybe that's just the way that. Yeah. This is another really great Nolan trope. Uh, uh, Killian Murphy. He tends to spend a lot of screen time in uh, Nolan's movies with a bag. Yes. His head. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Oh my. <laughs> Yes, thank you for pointing that out. Thank you. I I was was I the only one that noticed that? No, no. I thought I was the only one. I was like, why does Killian Murphy like in every Nolan movie? He's got a bag on his always. <laughs> every single one. Well, yeah, always. No, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. every. Uh, I think. Was did did he oh have a bag? God. Wait, did he have a bag over his head in uh, Dunkirk? I don't I know if he did. Back, I have to go back and watch Dunkirk. I have to go back and watch Dunkirk to kind of see but it would not surprise me nope no it would not <laughs> like, oh my god crazy. i thought it was the only one that caught that <laughs> nope nope i'm like wow you do you just do you just really hate his face oh my god although well, you know what's another Killian really tr- murphy does i mean you know what's another I mean, tr- killian murphy fantastic actor he does have although, a bit of a creep face well to be fair he's Remember not the movie the, red eye that he was in i do love this moment here yeah. mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger darling I love the face that Joseph Gordon-Levitt gives right here. Just, wait, just, all right. (laughs) But no, no, uh, the other thing was there's another actor in this movie who spends a lot of their screen time with their face covered. Tom Hardy. Really think about it. Like most of his, most of the time in Dunkirk, his face is covered. His face face covered. covered Um, Mad Max even. His face is covered a lot. Yeah. 
And uh, even in uh, what was it? Um, oh God, what was it? Venom. If yeah, you Venom. Want to think about it. Venom I with mean, the visual effects. Yeah. Like Venom. Shit. <sighs> Man, I loathe the day that I'm gonna have to do that episode. I'm, I loathe the day that I'm gonna have to do that episode because it's coming. That's There's, a whole other. That's a whole other episode. I'm, well, I am. Uh, uh, eventually, I'm gonna try to open up like the. Uh, you don't know what hit him. The, the, the world of uh, Marvel movies, not just Disney, Absolutely. but all the others, just excluding the Disney ones. Well, I mean, I want to do the Disney ones too because Endgame is just fucking intoxicating. Shoot, I don't know. I don't know. Would you want to do the Angley Incredible Hulk? Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I like. I'm actually kind of like that one. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. It's 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 weirdly entertaining for me. Hmm. It's got a lot of th- weird things okay. going on, but that's interesting. Yeah, it's an experimental yeah. superhero movie. It fails on some levels, but has some interesting concepts for others. Blade so, Trinity. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, no, nope, 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 nope. Anyway. I'm I'm not a fan of David S. Goyer. Anyway. Yes, anyway, the thing about Inception is, um, so that's supposed to be uh, Eames, right? Yes. Uh, is that a, that's a little weird. How, uh, how does that work? Does he, how does he project himself like that? Does he practice with drag queen or something? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm I don't not sh- know. That might be a whole backstory for his character. Maybe. Who knows? Do you think we should... Uh, actually, you know, it would be... Uh, so, a lot of people, you know, as soon as there's a uh, um, a big movie that m- makes a gigantic hit or whatever, they try to do spinoffs, sequels, um, yes, and whatnot. Would you want to see any more A spinoff fr- of Killian Murphy's character? Or just, like, this world. Oh, I would totally lo- be love to see more movies in this world, not necessarily like a sequel with the, to Inception, but yeah. like because as soon as just, yeah, just like making a maybe sequel, spend more time with just spend more time with like one of the characters. I really love this book. Just like their back their backstory. Ooh. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really wanted to have see a movie on Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe's character. Yeah. I don't want to see any of these characters again. This should exist only in one thing because. Or no, you're saying like a movie in this world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Within this yeah. world, I'll watch. I'll check that out. I don't think it's ever going to be as good as this. No, 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 no. Because it was fresh and interesting, and you're like and, uh, on the and edge he's of your not, seat. And he's, probably, and he's not going to do it again because no. he's did it once, and that's no. what Nolan does. He only does things once. Even the Batman films are, as I was saying before, completely Very di- different from yep. the last. Yep. Uh, but to make With a sequel, same tropes of you know the Bruce Wayne story, but. To, you know, to make a, a sequel to yeah. this movie would be like, uh, it would be a sin to make a, oh, a sequel to this yeah. movie. Even a prequel would be a sin. Yeah. Uh, like, although for a number of years I did, say, although maybe maybe one day you know thirty years from now someone will surprise us with a sequel, because I actually remember for years years that uh, Blade Runner was the last movie that needs a sequel. And yet, I'll and be And then we got a freaking masterpiece with Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yeah. That, that movie is a modern masterpiece. Yep. In my opinion. Yep. Definitely. And what it's also... But it's also interesting is that I... What's interesting about Blade Runner for me is that when I saw Blade Runner 2049, I loved it from the... Mm-hmm. But that's only because, like, I knew previous knowledge about Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner was one of those movies for me, very much like Inception... Yeah, where I felt like I had to see it a few times yep. before I truly, truly loved it. Yep, 
and you can also, I even just appreciate it too. Well, also, you know, Blade Runner is a big influence on this movie. Oh, I've, I'll, I, I totally, yeah. I totally see that. Look right there, yeah. tears in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I do love the practicality oh, of this. Oh, by the way, set. Blade Runner, rest, rest in peace, Rutger Hauer. Yes. Oh, what a, you know, the, uh, you can actually kind of joke that if he hadn't lived uh, just a few more months. <laughs> Uh, he actually, you could have said that he was so dedicated to the role of Roy Batty oh, yeah. that he went out of his way to um, make sure that he dies in November 2019. That's, that's <laughs> like, so crazy. That's, that'd be like the most yeah. dedicated actor of all time. Like, mm. I'm still in character. I can't die until November 2019. Yeah. But Rest in peace, Rutger. Yes, Howard. yes. Uh, so anyway, now here's one of the cool uh, practical effects of the movie, where the so, shifting awesome. of the uh, the weight of the van this, influences uh, that, this. That shot right there, of yes. just seeing the water glass. Well, it's not just, just that; water... it's the entire well, set. Well, even that, just seeing it, yeah. It's the entire set. Oh yeah. yeah. And now, if I remember correctly, this was actually shot on a uh, a leaning set, and these extras here, they actually had like a long list of people. Um, and you got rejected if you weren't able to stomach the movements of the set. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Pro I probably wouldn't have handled being an extra on this. <laughs> probably because you actually have There's to hold. No way. Because even as the 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 floor of the set <laughs> leans, uh, like say to like a like a uh, a thirty five degree angle or something like that, you have to maintain composure. Yeah, like it's stomach, not. Yeah. Like it's like you're not being moved at all. Like you you cannot move it. Because uh, you have to perceive that um, I can only imagine you're not moving the yeah. only the gravity of the set is moving and not you, which is insanely hard to maintain. So even the extras have to go the extra step to do this sort of thing. <clears throat> um, and right now here, as we can see, we're doing like a major coup d'état, like actually showing you the uh, the strangeness of a dream, which I guess that you know what maybe this is the reason why whenever I'm dreaming and I realize there's something wrong, I just kind of go with it because I'm like, no, where's this, where's this story going? I want to, I want to hang out. Cause you know, often, like uh, a lot of what we uh, describe as dreaming is just movies inside our head. Yeah. That our mind just kind of whips into being out of nowhere and completely random. And we just kind of go with it course a lot of people do are you one of those people who have um or, or like read into dream interpretation and dream symbolism and whatnot really only into my dreams i oddly enough i've done a little bit out of that in college yeah. and honestly like when i really look at the stuff that it's trying to connect i'm like this is all horse shit you yeah, know i mean i've because have you ever if you've ever done like professional studies uh of like dream interpretation and dream symbolism it's really reaching at least for me personally if there are anyone out if there's anyone out there who's listening who is in that field sorry but not sorry <laughs> i mean hey i mean just just yeah i mean yeah it's interesting to kind of think about just the i mean yeah, but you're right. Like anybody who well, you just, really does seem to you know reach I, as far you know, as yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's the equivalent of um, uh, you know, like cinema sins on YouTube. Oh yeah. Or like those, or a uh, wisecrack, the ones that just like analyze every sign, every that, possible I mean, cinema sins. Nick nitpicks the shit out of everything. <laughs> I hate cinema sins, honestly. I really. I hate don't it. hate them, but it's just it's just funny. The I can't stand them because every movie has flaws. And, Every movie has flaws. And the honestly, perfect. And except the, Alien. 
And half the time, <laughs> no, even yeah. well, I guarantee you, Cinema Sins will pick the part that I know. and show I, it this off. This like, is me. I just loved it. I like yeah. Honest Trailers better. I love Honest Trailers because Honest yeah. Trailers is like, yeah, there's flaws, but do we care? Sometimes, but most of the time, if you earn, and you can tell there's a genuine love for the movie. Oh yeah, dude, totally. Trailers for like, but for Cinema Sins, it's almost kind of disdaining, you know. But I don't know. That's uh, that's just me. yeah. But then there's also the the counteract of that. They have Cinema Wins. Oh, they did. That's that's they right. I heard about wins. that. Everything great about Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, still too. It's still too black and white for me. Yeah. Honest trailers is like the nice so there's, gray. Yeah, but there's like the positive aspect. The negative of Cinema Sins, positive Cinema Win. Mm, yeah, yeah, whatever. Still prefer to have it all in one go. Yeah. Like one gray swoop. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Um, although this is what I thought was really cool. The uh, the timing, the synchronizing detonations with music. Now that's the, the now that's actually another really cool edit, editorial trick. Yeah. Is you tend to synchronize the action with music. Um, you know, some kind of uh, a little less uh, obviously so. Like you know, movies are scored and whatnot, and they yeah. don't time things to that. But you know, other movies like say Ed, Edgar Wright's Baby Driver, they'll literally try to sync it down to like the tiniest notes and beats. So I love um, that movie. Yeah, so that's gonna be one much. for the future for sure. Uh, but uh, no, uh, using music is wo- a wonderful little idea, and I love. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to notice in film is just the way music interplays with the scene. Like uh, whether like, it's just whether it's just its score or just a particular song, like Needle like, Drop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ne- yeah, Needle Drop, or just the way that you know Edgar Wright uses music in his film. Exactly, yeah. or even Sor- Scorsese. Scorsese, Tarantino, Scorsese, anybody. Scorsese, in my opinion, is probably the king of the Needle Drop. Oh yeah, he's, he's the one where. Um, not only does the uh, the music the mu- the rhythm of the music fit the scene, mm-hmm. but the lyrics seem to actually comment on what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he uses "Give Me Shelter" by the Stones. <laughs> in practically every, but it fits in every single time, right? It does. Yeah. Uh, but he also uses like just um, songs to also uh, elicit that sense of nostalgia immediately. Like he for uses people, a lot of Rolling Stones. A lot of ro- well, not even just Rolling Stones. Like he'll use everything from like the Ronettes. Um, he'll Pima, e- oh yeah, and uh, he'll even use like even crazy stuff from today. Like you remember uh, Kanye West? Um, Kanye West was in uh, Wolf of Wall Wolf Street. Wall Street, yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Dropkick Murphys for Departed. Oh yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I can't hear that song and not think of the Departed now. I think of Rags to Riches, the Rags to Riches song. Damn right. Yeah. So, uh, Scorsese is kind of the king of needle drop in my point. But the point I'm making He's here, the ultimate king of yes everything. Um, but my point I'm making here is like using music to time things and synchronize that's actually something I do in real life weirdly enough like I'll actually uh, you know if I'm like cooking something and it needs to cook for like you know um, uh, like 10 minutes or something I'll like put on the end by the doors and time things or one of my actually favorite things that I've done is um in the uh the 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 chemical process for photography because i actually you know i do photography and whatnot and in college i actually used to develop my own stuff on 16 and 35 millimeter black and white Mm -hmm. um and there was one step where you had to switch the chemicals around for exactly seven minutes and the way i switched it was in a very rhythmic movement and it was the exact same rhythm of when the livy breaks by led zeppelin oh wow and it was full and i had to and the instructions that i was told the uh, the the instructions that I was told to uh, do it was for exactly seven minutes. 
runtime of uh, when the levee breaks, seven minutes and five seconds. Oh, wow. So you actually, like, time out, yeah. like, however many, like, minutes. Yeah, you said like, I time things minutes, with, 10 seconds. I time sh- a lot of shit with and, music. Um, yeah, and, the, and by the doors, that's, like, 10 minutes long, right? Yep. 10, 11 minutes? Yep. Yeah. Um, 11 minutes and 24 seconds, I'll if I'm correct. Everything that stands <clears throat> the end. But that's actually another really great way um, for if, if there's anyone out there aspiring to be an editor. Timing your daily life with music is a great way to hone your editorial sense. Oh yeah, that, that's an easy. It, it's maybe like sort of like the first go-to thing the editors. Well, that's just something yeah. to do in daily life, like oh, yeah. while you're while you're doing like you know take a shower or brush your teeth or you know do the laundry. Um, do that to a, time fi- everything out to music. Exactly, yeah. and if you do that, you start to pick up on rhythms of what real life is. Mm-hmm. And when you pick up on rhythms of what real life is, you, oh, that will make you so much yeah. better an editor. All right, now we're it into the third. Scene. Yes, we're in the third level of the dream, finally, in the big snow fort. Um, and now this whole sequence is uh, just Christopher Nolan screaming to the skies and to the, all the studios out there, saying, "Give me a James Bond movie. Give me a big action set piece." Uh, no, no, he's because. Yeah. Uh, Chris Nolan is a huge James Bond fan. Oh yeah, like he grew up watching all of them. He's like a Bond expert. And oh whatnot. yeah, but uh, in this in this uh, movie, he just really kind of you know made some wank material for himself and made <laughs> like because just paid a total homage to uh, the end sequence in um, oh, what was it uh, um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby. Okay. Yeah. Because there's, because I don't know if that was the only James Bond that he did, right? Yes, yeah. that's that's the uh, one movie where James Bond um, appeared as, uh, or George Lazenby is uh, James James Bond, right? Um, but uh, have you ever seen that one? I know I haven't seen that one, but I know that that was the only one that that actor did. Yeah, the only James Bond movie that he. did. Well, I mean, you know, I guess I guess spoilers. It's not really, but I'll, I'll, either way, I'm keeping it super vague. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, there's like a big. Um, uh, sh- helicopter shootout uh, assault on a snow fort from Blofeld. Right. And James Bond mm-hmm. leads the charge and whatnot. And if you look at this movie and um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service side by side, it's the exact same th- sequence. Right. I swear to God. Like, you can tell he looked at the the, uh, the fortress and, he, and he's told his production designers, he said, make it like that. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the, here's where shit gets crazy for the visuals. And again, all this is in camera. That is, yeah. Right here. This, this is, was this was one of my favorite scenes. Yes, this shot right here. It's just a uh, a camera locked down to the uh, um, uh, the floor of the uh, of the the set here. Yes. And the set is rotating on a giant hamster wheel, much like it did for two thousand and one. Yes, absolutely. And it's all in camera, so. <laughs> And when you watch it, it's just like, uh, but when you know how it's made, it's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it's still just still kind of like fucks with your head. You know? Oh yeah. It, it, it was one of the, if this, it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in the theater. And you know what's even crazier yeah. about this scene? Um, except for, I believe like one or two shots. That's jo- actually Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing all of his stunts. Even more, imp- yeah, even more impressive. Very, yeah. Because apparently he got into really good shape for this movie. Because he worked out for weeks and weeks and weeks trying to get in shape for to do the stunts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's like, he, I think he actually went out to thank Nolan and be like, thank you for putting me in the best shape 
I've ever been in my life. Um, and if you look at some of the behind the scenes stunts and how some of this stuff was done, you can kind of see why you would really need to be fit in order to, uh, perform oh, you some have, of this stuff. Yeah. Well, it's not just There's that, no but way, it, yeah. Well, it's not just like the fight sequences that you saw there, but it's also for the zero G stuff. Oh yeah. Cause you know how they did that, right? That, yeah. I, I remember seeing like, well, you know how they did it? Yeah. Um, you don't know how yeah, they did it. Yeah, go over. I was trying to remember how it happened. Okay, so yeah. like when they're floating through the hallway and whatnot, yeah. they just literally built the hallway, but they built the set vertically, so like the floor is the wall and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and they just lowered the actor down into the hallway, like a, like you know, like in the inside of a tube, mm-hmm. and then they put the camera, placed the camera accordingly, in accordance to how the set is, and then when they erase the wires, it looks like he's floating. You know, so yeah. they're just literally dangling mm-hmm. him. Um, but he was wearing a harness and it was like one of the most uncomfortable things that he's ever worn in his life. So when they put harnesses on you, like for something like yeah, that, and yeah. that you're doing that for it's an extended hours and hours of a time. You're, yeah. you're in the, that harness for extended periods, yeah. like hours at a time. Cause film acting is weird. You're it's like hours and hours of prep and you kind of have to stay there. And then you only have a few seconds to actually do it. But then you have to do it again and again. And it would and again only and show up for like a few seconds on screen, yep. which is, yeah. So he's in that poor harness for a very long time. And it was, he, he's, because um, uh, I remember he said he was doing a lot of research for like, you know, astronauts and their movements and whatnot yeah. for what it's like in Zero G. They always say it's like the it most. It feels like that. It feels like the way that an astronaut would kind well, of. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, uh, they described it as like being at the most at ease they've ever been with their bodies. Right. Just because, you know, you're not floating anywhere. And he was in the most uncomfortable position a body could be in. So he really had to, to kind of be in the most uncomfortable position to make it look like Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a lot so it's really it's really good acting on his part when he whenever he does that shit. Um so now that we're doing one final thing, syncing everyone up for the final kick. And that's ki- and I swear to God, this is like the longest fall in uh, uh bridge fall in cinema history i think because uh, let's see where There's, are we there we got no Wh- where we are we are we are an hour and 43 hour minutes, minutes in. In. Yeah. and that thing goes for like i think a solid 20 minutes and then there was the non the non 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 it's a non gene regretorium yeah by the edith piaf music yes <clears throat> uh and as a matter of fact, did you know they didn't, uh, like, at the last minute? Because they were like, oh, Marion Cotillard is on this movie. She played Edith Piaf. Yeah, this is absolutely, yeah. Do we want to use that song? And they, Warner Brothers was actually considered saying, Nolan, use another song. Um, but at the last minute, they're like, nope. Oh, hi. There, was we, there another? We have a studio cat in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cat has made an appearance. Was there any other song that they were considering? Or was this, this the only, like, um, say they couldn't? Say they couldn't use this song I, for whatever reason. Was there they, another one that they were considering? If there was, I don't think they've ever mentioned it oh, because okay, they yeah. said, "Look, we look. This is in the script. We we know it's working. This it's by design. It's if it's a little coincidence and it bothers people, then they're not in the movie. They're not into the movie, and that's not what. Yeah. So um, they shouldn't wor- have to worry about that. So oh, they just yeah. said, "Fuck it, we're gonna go with it." Um, but yeah, this whole sequence right here. This is straight out of a James Bond movie. Oh, 100%. Okay. For, for real, like, this whole sequence is like, 
um, Nolan just screaming to everyone, like, give me a Bond movie. Give me a Bond movie. I will do so many cool things with a Bond movie. And I still think he can. Oh, I think he could, too. Um, I think I think that, I mean, I think Sam Mendes has, was done a fantastic job on the Bond movies he did, yes. which I don't think he's doing the new one. Uh, I don't know whether or not, I don't know who the hell is doing the new one. I don't know either, but it's not Sam Mendes. But I would love to have seen if Chris Nolan to do a James Bond film. I think that would have been even fantastic. if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, that I'm okay with that because you know who else had um, their eyes on a Bond movie for years? Spielberg. You, oh, that's right. Yeah, Spielberg wanted, Spielberg to wanted to do a, a, a Bond, Bond movie, movie for especially after the Indiana, especially after the Indiana Jones films. Yep. You know? All right, here comes another mind, a little bit of a mind paradox. I feel like we need a slide whistle for that shot. <laughs> <laughs> I would have laughed my ass off that they'd use that if it's all in a theater. <laughs> no, you know there's like some YouTuber out there who oh, put yeah, that in there. For sure, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So and then here it goes. So we are at uh, one hour and f- one hour and forty five minutes and, and thirty seconds. And this fall is going to last like the next twenty minutes, I swear. Uh, and oh yeah, and then there's this. That is an actual avalanche. That is oh, yeah. not visual it, effects. Oh yeah, it looks. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's unheard of, dude. Every every time like uh, studios will uh, have like an avalanche in their movie, they will always do it uh, CG because it's just safer. It's safer and yeah. Um, it, it's it's well, it's safer and uh, it's just a little bit uh, cheaper, I think. But because uh, it's really hard to find, you know, uh, forest parks to get permission to do. And really, that. you only have one. Yeah, you only have one, one shot. Ta- <laughs> well, obviously, it's one of those things you, you uh, cover with multiple cameras. And oh, whatnot. obviously, yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah. I mean, when are the uh, when are the other odds and chances you're going to get that avalanche again? <laughs> well, I mean, what? Well, you know what they did? They literally just did controlled demolitions to make avalanches. Oh shoot! Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because uh, mm-hmm. uh, I know park rangers do that all the time for that for certain things. Like they they will do controlled demolitions oh, to yeah. produce. Yeah. Uh, controlled avalanches and whatnot. Like they'll clear shit out and everything. Mm-hmm. But for this, they actually got to do it for a movie, and uh, into a and to a certain extent, I believe they actually uh, to blow like uh, snow into the actors' faces. They just had a helicopter come in really low, and blow snow mm-hmm. around, which is so. When you see snow, that's actual snow. So these poor guys. And now we're in zero G. Let's so like I said, these guys, these guys are. This is all in camera. Um, the only CG that's in these shots is to remove the wires. Oh yeah, um, like in this this bit too, like all that, dude. Even the phone and the couch and everything. It's one of um, the things I appreciate so much. Yeah, about this. although there was one yeah. little detail that they were I'll like. I'll always we're... appreciate anybody who puts more practical effects in their. Films. Well, practical effects just look better. They yes, they look because they they're look real. So much better, and yeah, because they're real, they feel real. Yes, it it never feels fake. If you don't fake it, then there's then you just know i mean audiences have like an intuitive uh 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 sense sixth sense about those things oh yeah uh but um what was the other thing oh yeah the um the other thing that uh that they tried to not do in zero g there's one detail that they're like we are so not doing um because even if we went the visual effects approach they would murder nolan in his sleep it's um uh ellen page's hair they actually had it specifically oh. in a tight bun for that sequence just so when things go in zero g they don't have to worry about how hair works because 
animating animating like zero g hair or underwater hair in visual effects is a nightmare even for or even just in like animation like 3d animated it movies, makes sense for sure it's a nightmare to do oh yeah so they had her just do it in uh, a bun so they don't have to deal with that sort of thing and just when you thought you know you you would get a um a rotating hallway now we got a zero g um fight here and as you can see I, I guarantee you, if you look really closely, you can see that their movements don't. Um, their movements are just kind of in the same relative space. Yeah. They're just moving um, the uh, the wire that's suspending the actors up and down, and they're just kind of like you know have a uh, a grip move the uh, move them around throughout the hallway to right. get that sort of thing, and then they just remove the wires. It's it's kind of amazing. It's genius. Yeah, and it's all in camera, man. You just because that's what I really love the way that Nolan uses CG. He uses uh, CG to erase shit rather than add. Because mm-hmm. um, like because uh, in photography, it's a lot easier to say uh, <clears throat> take away certain things or um, if you, in the case of like under or overexposures, if you over if you uh, underexpose, you're gonna have a hard time uh, getting a nice clean image if you try to brighten it in post. But if you underexpose, it's much easier to brighten it later on. Or it's, right. it, if you uh, overexpose, it's much easier to darken later on mm-hmm. and to get a still a nice clean image. So it's like, you know, that's the all technical stuff. And so hopefully we haven't lost too many listeners out there from that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is another really interesting uh, question that Ariane pulls up. Right? When you shoot people, do you actually destroy parts of your mind? And, these, and thank God it's not the case because they're just... They're just—it's exactly what he calls them. They're just projections, but uh, yeah. Th- and then there's this shot that's coming up. Um, where is it? Uh, where he gathers them all up and wraps them all in wire. Yes. Now that was actually a rig where they actually had all the actors in a brace, and then they rotated the brace while hanging Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, through a vertical set. Mm-hmm. My mind hurts when I think about the logistics of that. <laughs> and not only that, but the, yeah, that's the shot. They're, they're literally just like on just a giant... Just thinking about the logistics of that just makes my... Brain just... Yes. Yeah, a little bit of steam coming out yes. of the ears. <clears throat> um, but yeah, now we're about to get inside the facility through a little back door that they got. Um, and... Uh, oh. <laughs> I actually forgot there was another really great line that uh, we totally missed when they drop into the dream. They're like, someone couldn't dream up a goddamn beach party or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, when's somebody going to be dreaming something that's actually yeah, isn't, like, oh, okay. cool dream. That's a, that brings up a whole nother point because like they, they kind of touch on that sort of thing. Like, who would want to be stuck in a dream for 50 years? Like, depends on the dream. Absolutely it's crazy depends how, on the dream. It's crazy how this movie is like a... Uh, a dive into the mind and dreams and there's absolutely no sex <laughs> <laughs> like you would think this isn't realistic nolan <laughs> no it's not it's not real it's not a real dream until you throw in some titties and speaking and speaking water and speaking and speaking of titties here's the uh, again mal our foil just about to fuck shit up for Dom Cobb's day. <clears throat> Shoot her, you son of a bitch. She's she's just a projection. You you know you are in the third level of dreaming. 
Shoot her. Yeah, it's your wife. Just do it. And too late. Oh, yeah. Too, yep, too late, too soon. Uh, too, too late, too soon. That's too late, what it, too soon. <clears throat> so, oh, this is, that's a really cool stunt. But, um, yeah, man, the, the music just... The, the driving force of this whole movie, I swear, is like the score and how they... The, the constant intercutting. But, yeah, dude, that's... That's just them being lowered down into a little set. Love it. I love. He, I actually even love the uh, the production design of the uh, the soldier suits that they're wearing. There's something about Hans Zimmer's music in this movie for me that really adds to it. The momentum it of really it really adds to the momentum of it because I really do feel like if another composer would have composed the music for this, I don't know if it would have worked. If the momentum for like certain scenes would have worked as well. Yeah, he kind of is like the person to do a score like this because if you Absolutely, try yeah. to do someone like Alan Silvestri or uh, Danny Elfman, or yeah, something it, like it that, would feel a little too. If Danny Elfman would be like, bum, 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 yeah, bum, 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 you know, it would it would feel yeah. a little too. Um, Feels like a too summer blockbuster. Yes, too and much not, like a movie. Yeah, uh, whereas yeah. you know Hans Zimmer is. Uh, Obviously, one of the more experimental kind of um, composers. Which is it? That's interesting because he's also one of the most prolific and one of the most successful composers. Yes. And but he's also, like you said, he's also one of the ones that is the most experimental and the one that's always wanting to try new things. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah. s- that's a special feature of uh, the Dark Knight Rises where you actually get to go inside how he works. Oh yes, yeah. I've like, seen like the ma- I've seen the masterclass uh, thing on YouTube. Yeah, it shows how he works too. He's he's like one of those composers who doesn't actually write music. No, he, he just yeah. plays it by himself. He plays every note by himself on his. Uh, his insane amount of computers and machines and instruments at his disposal. And then once he's like, you know, performed a, uh, a rough cut of it, he goes in with the, the orchestra and makes the, the full recordings and mm. then mixes it all together with the stuff that he's done on his own. And, and, and it becomes his own thing. So seen, in, a, yeah. in a way he's like, he's m- one of those where you can really tell a Hans Zimmer score. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially now with the, yes yeah (laughs) although to be fair like even like back yeah it's uh, i have such mixed feelings about the score because really well again because it's it really helps now we're into the fourth level um it really it it really is great for this movie but unfortunately he and a lot of other composers took the wrong lessons from it from From that movie in particular yeah Yeah. okay because like you know there's like a um, like especially after this movie, there was like a kind of a trend of a lot of the uh, the musical scores for movies, especially like um, big blaster, big blockbuster and comic book movies. Sure. Um, but even like independent cinema, a lot of movies uh, tended to kind of sound the same, and they would uh, uh, often use this mu- you know certain soundtracks i just as... think time and specifically is oh i know very much oh very no 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 distinct. like um as yeah. as an original piece yeah this is a pretty great score mm-hmm. but unfortunately a lot did he of win did he win the oscar for composing this no but i know wally feister actually won for best uh, cinematography in this movie obviously yes because when you have you know crazy shots like this coming up with the elevator shaft yes that's nuts that's awesome shit right there a plus for walter feister um but uh what was it uh Hans Zimmer yeah but with Hans Zimmer's music especially for this score uh, specifically 
um, I felt like even though it's a really good uh, score on its own and it works for the movie very well, uh, a lot of the uh, um, film composers and directors and whatnot, they took the wrong lessons from it. Because as a matter of fact, there's a lot of... Because uh, um, have you ever heard of the uh, the temp score problem? Yeah, it's just like the temp score's problem is just like the music that yeah. temp- many composers just... The director would just tell like use this yeah just use this music over that yeah and they wind up falling in love with it john bryan uh you know who john bryan is yes the music composer he actually talks about that in an interview where he just says like every time a director tells him to use temp music his heart just breaks yeah because then he hates it because then they tend to cut to the temp music yeah and ultimately they're like make it like make your score like this temp music and it makes it feels for, like a lot of that was used after this movie. Yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly what's happening because I know for a fact that studios are like, what's the next original piece that we can do? Let's steal off of Inception, you know. And they started stealing uh, the uh, uh, just the the sound motifs and yes. all that sort of thing yeah. and applying it to their own thing, which didn't fit. And people started using the uh, uh their their remixes and it just became it all sounded like the same thing like uh you listen to film scores like uh in this decade a lot of them sound either bland or just the same and it's yeah. it's not and it's not healthy for uh a diverse cinematic landscape you know which is still kind of ironic you know cuz i always say that you, you know a lot of people out there are like always tell me that uh, uh, you know, movies. Uh, all these movies are all the same. Hollywood doesn't have any new ideas or anything like that. It's all just the same thing revamped. It's all reboots yeah. and remakes and right. blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's not. It's totally not. There's more original uh, movies out there than have ever been done in uh, the history of Definitely motion pictures. Recently, yeah. Well, in in the history of motion pictures, in uh, like from like 2016 to today, there are more uh, movies yeah, being more, made. Yes. Uh, every year than there ha- has ever been in the history of cinema. The only th- difference is you've never heard of them because they don't get they're not, yeah, they don't get a chance to get marketed. They don't get the mo- they don't get the marketing strategies that well, they don't have the money like this. The money the, to, they don't have the money to be marketed because that's what happens. That's why, yeah, that's what happens with you know big movies like that Disney puts out. Mm-hmm. They'll buy up like you know three four different screens and for one movie in yeah. one theater mm-hmm. and that just you know limits the amount of uh, uh diversity that goes around um and only really small cinemas or even just like you know direct to video or netflix or things like that that those are the only places you can actually kind of see it and even then you still have to hunt, hunt, like unless you're studio hunt for like them. unless you're a studio like a24 or something yeah yeah, but you still have to hunt for them. Yeah, you know? it's true, and it's yeah. because they don't have the 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 two hundred million dollar marketing budget. No, no, which is really sad because I know there's a lot of. Although wonderful... this movie was, I mean, although this movie had a very, it did very high budget. To it, it did right? well. That uh, it's this mostly was like a two hundred million dollar movie. No, I don't think it was two hundred million. At least a hundred. Um, but I do, but I do know it was definitely heavily marketed because, yeah. just because, literally, this is right after uh, Christopher Nolan made the hottest movie, um, of the decade, The Dark Knight. Oh yeah. So like, you know, any, any uh, movie with his name attached is already going to make a uh, a huge amount of money. So, um, it's between his name and the extra amount of money that. 
Warner he's Brothers one of the was few with... directors. He's one of the few directors where the director's name sells the movie. Well, it's yeah that very very. But it's few. also because of his name that yeah. Warner Brothers was able to shell out the extra cash to market the movie for him. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. but that's also what happens when you do make a name for yourself. That's what. That's the whole reason why any of us want to make a name for ourselves. So mm-hmm. people will be like, market him. Director is the star. We like him. Yeah. Let's let's sell his shit. You know. So. But that's that's just the uh, the cinematic landscape that we're in. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, now we're. But anyway, back to the movie. We get off topic a lot, don't we? A little bit. A little bit. Little that's bit. okay, because this this movie's so freaking entertaining. We it doesn't really need. That's one of the things. Like, I love the fact that it's such a high concept, but it is still entertaining as hell. Yes, yes, it is. And those two things usually don't go together. Typically, no. (laughs) Um, It's, it's. I guess, like, I think the only person who's ever really been able to pull that off was like someone like Kubrick. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which is why I would. A lot of people consider Nolan to be the Kubrick of our day. Yeah. There will never be another Kubrick. Oh, absolutely not. No. There, because uh, like I know that's been tossed around a lot. Like I know uh, that's uh, not me saying it. That's De- just what, people. What, who, God, yeah. what's his name? De- Denis uh, Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Yeah. Like he he's been ta- uh, uh, labeled that before. Um, uh, I, I I can think of I can try to think of a couple others. Nolan's been labeled that, of, and I'm like Looking I just don't buy doing. it. I just don't buy it. You know what the thing is. Um, and a p- plus the big problem that I have with that is people shouldn't be the next master from the past. They be should be, your own, yeah, be, be the own master of now. Style, yeah. Um, well, that's what that's just like the way I when I say that. That's just me saying what other people like to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I I consider Nolan to be his own his own yes. force in the same way that Kubrick was his own force. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you know in what? The same way that Denis Villeneuve is. Yes. And you know what? I still I, don't know if I ever pronounce his name right. But neither do I. And <laughs> I feel so bad every time I try. Um, but no, like they're definitely the masters of today. Yes. Um, and I look forward to any other new movies that they're going to be putting out. Absolutely. Uh, I do know that uh, apparently Nolan's working on like a film noir. I heard that movie too. Going and on with Marion Cotillard is with, working on Dune. Yes. Which okay. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be nuts, dude. It, I I really <laughs> hope that he just chucks the Frank Herbert novels and the David Lynch. I hope stuff. he just does his own thing. He'll, he'll he he's not going to make the David Lynch movie. Well, I hope not. <laughs> what I'm hoping is he takes a lot of notes from Alejandro Jodorowsky. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Because uh, his version of Dune. Oh my God! Otherwise known as the movie that was the, ne- the greatest movie never made. Yes. Yeah. And in many respects, is kind of it's kind of up there with Kubrick's um, Napoleon. Yeah. 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 Good shit. <clears throat> All right. So anyway, we finally got uh, Cobb confronting his uh, confronting his wife and actually trying to let go. Um, and uh, yeah, this is a really nice little sequence here. Where, yeah. Although I do like the uh, the house safe. It's actually really kind of a smart idea, especially with the match cut, you know, cutting from the the, the house that she grew up in right. to the little dollhouse in the safe. <clears throat> um, but uh, yeah, and apparently, um, uh, while they were in limbo, uh, as you can see, they just built and built a whole bunch of shit, like both from uh, from scratch and from memory and whatnot. But apparently, if I'm correct, um, 
uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is actually named after like a famous skyscraper uh, architect, mm-hmm. named also named Cobb. Um, so it's fitting that his world is consists of mostly skyscrapers, as you can see right here. That's that's some Escher stuff right there, you know. Very especially the framed and well, also the way that they're like the rhythm, rhythmic, yeah. Uh, the way ha- how they all fall, but uh, yeah, he, this is super fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, how... is it is it weird? But now I'm also like thinking of Groundhog Day. Like, what are the most interesting ways I can kill myself? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. 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 I mean, this is this. I must didn't be... hear anyone comparing this, this m- Groundhog Day to. That's a cool cut. Yeah, it's a very cool cut. But uh, it feels like the. I'm a little sad now that 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 uh, Bill Murray didn't try to kill himself with a train. Because <laughs> well, the the metaphor would have been very much if that would have happened in Groundhog Day. The ver- metaphor for that would have been very much felt stronger. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Although I do love how yeah. it kind of um, cycles into the whole theme of the I movie. I always love how Groundhog Day can be compared to like other. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, that's it's it's, it's, it's one of my favorite. Uh, yeah. Actually, my one of uh, one of my favorite things to watch in the world, and one of my favorite genres or weird subgenres. Yeah. Is science fiction uh, romances? Oh yeah. And you can actually kind of categorize that. You could with, um, me, yeah. with this one. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, other movies that you look to is, you know, Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Her. Um, the Adjustment Bureau. Her. I love yes. her. Um, Spike Jones. Yes. Uh, so science fiction uh, romances are often some of my favorite movies to watch just because um, they deal with human emotion and how we, how we perceive it. Oh, yeah. And that sort of thing. Um, but it also delves into the mind and whatnot, and that's, those are all my favorite things to, to kind of do. Boy, Saito is really having a rough day, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and dead. Bye bye. He gone. He gone. <laughs> He's gonna. You're gonna be in a, a a dream for a really, 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 really long time. And poor Tom Hardy here, who just can't get a break. He's like, yeah, and then 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 music starts. Gretchen, but but, but uh, <laughs> poor Tom Hardy here can't get a break. He's like, fuck, we lost Killian Murphy and and Saito. Like, can can I get a win here, please? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, now that at the last second they're gonna bring him back, and of course, uh, shit's going down downstairs. <clears throat> And here, um, Cobb has to make a horrible, horrible choice. Would you stay if you were in his position? I mean, it's still. I mean, I don't. I've, are you of still the firm belief that he's still in the dream by the end of the movie? I'll let you know when it comes up. Yeah, because okay. that's that's a long discussion. Um, it's one of my favorite things to discuss with this movie. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, it's 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 the question on everyone's mind, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, the, the here, but um, I don't know. Would you, would would you stay with Mal or not? If you, given the choice, like if this was one of those interactive video games, would you do it or not? I probably would want to stay. Oh. <laughs> 
if a, if I really had to to choose, you would you would leave. I as painful as it would be. It's a painful thing. I would just because I'm with the. Uh, I, I like to uh, cite um, Spock in this argument. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That, so that's, good point. That's just me. So, plus, uh, you know, I, I've always thought, like, you know, after certain... Oh, Jesus. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> Improvising. Yeah, that's the other thing about this movie that I really love, how um, a lot of the show that they have to actually improvise based on um, stuff that they run into... It's very much the process of making a movie, you know, because it, because I don't know if you, have you ever, you've done 48 hour films, right? It's been a while, but yeah. But have you ever ran into problems where you're just like, shit, we need to improvise shit. Like where, where you take advantage of happy it accidents. Or, in, yeah. It always comes out. It always like something at the last minute when you're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, fuck, we'll just roll with it. Yes. Just go with it. Yeah, and sometimes it blows up in your face. Although, thankfully for these, it's kind of amazing that this this uh, the mission here didn't totally fail. You know, I love this shot. That's yeah, the design of yes, it is really cool. The design of this looks really really cool. Another thing that feels like anime. Yes, it. Yeah. The whole, again, the whole the, the whole per, movie. It's yeah. the production design mm-hmm. and the uh, the cinematography and. Uh, um, the camera mo- movement. Yeah. Like, a lot of the movements feel very anime, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, of course, I really love the, the little twist here with his father. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Disapp- yeah. disappointment was always the, the key word with his dad. And uh, I really love the fact that they kind of twist it. It's really ge- ingenious. Disappointed that you tried to be me, to be like me. Yeah. Which, you're like, Hell yes, and that's, and even just as the character, you're just like, oh man, that is gorgeous. This is that's literally the they were literally going straight for the Academy Award winning ending, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you, you can tell that they're just trying to write write a symphony here even on this the, in particular, yeah, on the fly. <clears throat> and then of course he uh, points to the um, the safe in there, and of course what's the combo? Five or what was it? Five eight two four nine one. Uh, because because those are recurring th- you know recurring numbers like the the phone number. Yep, yeah. there it is. Five eight five two eight four nine one. The uh, the hotel numbers. The uh, the phone number that um, not Eames lady gave. <laughs> uh, all that sort of thing. Um, of course, there's the pinwheel from the photograph. Oh, great performance. And then just in time for him to get the uh, the reaction, they uh, they wait for the emotional pay dirt and blow the place. Now here's something really crazy: that explosion is all real in uh, camera. Because yeah. um, it was actually a combination of things. They uh, when they built they, they actually went out to a location in the mountains. Oh yeah. Built a full fort set for them to do. And they actually blew up the entire full set, scale set on location, mm-hmm. like right here. Uh, All that, real. but however, yeah. no. However, the one when you see the the tower fall, that's actually a miniature, but it's a miniature like sure. three stories high. Right. Um, and they actually blew that up and um, 
the studio parking lot of all like that shot right there uh was uh was miniature and then when you do cut to the wide they actually do the that's that's also in the miniature um but there's a couple of shots that they use where um where they actually blow up the full set which is nuts um and you know what's really interesting second time in a row that chris nolan has uh blown up a hospital in a movie for real uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you notice shit yes, like that man shit now that was also really ballsy for Chris Nolan to do, too, you know? The one in The Dark Knight? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, seriously. Like, you actually blew up in a, a real building oh, without yeah. the use of CG? That's unheard of, dude. And then finally, after... So, actually, I'm curious how long. So, the fall started at, like, uh, an hour and 43 minutes. We are at uh, two hours and 13 minutes. So, yeah, uh, roughly about 20 minutes that damn van was falling. Damn, longest drawn out stunt ever. And then of course there's this bit right here where you find out that they actually did grow old together and right that shot I really love. That's good, yeah. Where um, because like when they put their heads on the the train to quote wake up, mm-hmm. they were actually old when they did it. It was really cool. So that um, I'm trying to think uh, if there's any other performances from. Marianne Cotillard that come to mind because I haven't actually seen her in a whole lot of other movies, especially the ones that Nolan hasn't done. Uh, have you? A few. There was a World War Two movie with Brad Pitt. Oh, the Fury? Kid. No, 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 not Fury. Allied. Oh, 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 wasn't that the one that uh, um, Angelina Jolie directed? No, Allied was a movie where Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard were a married couple. Oh, okay. And her and Brad Pitt, the people that Brad Pitt uh, was working for, um, they were were kind of thinking that her character was a spy. Mm. So he was kind of faced with this dilemma of like, hey, your might, uh, uh, your wife might be a spy for Germany. If she's not, no big deal. But if she is, kill her. Interesting. Yeah. I have to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> Then there's this uh, there's this wonderful shot that's coming up. That's oh, she was also in oh, what's up? She was also in Assassin's Creed. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyway back to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, th- there's this one shot that's coming up. That's probably one of my favorites in the movie. Um, yeah, this shot right here, where um, it wipes from Tom Berenger. And then as soon as it comes back oh, around, yeah, that's right. There it is, Tom Hardy. Come on, yeah. Let's get there. That's, there it that is. That is an amazing shot. I really want to know how they did that, because it's done in one take. And I, oh man, I really can't think of because I mean obviously it's like face replacement or whatnot. Or yeah. ma- the, the only other way that I could think of doing it is like um, uh, doing it with a motion control camera doing the same shot twice with uh um tom berenger and one with uh uh, tom hardy Mm -hmm. and then just digitally stitching those two shots into one it's the only way i can think and we're back to the beginning finding saito and trying to have to bring him back because as you can see he's been here for a very long time great old makeup yeah that's that's not bad yeah because um, 
uh, old makeup. Because bad old makeup is noticeable. Yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of... There's, <laughs> there's a, a lot of bad old people makeup. There's a lot of great movies that really suffer from it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But this is actually this is actually pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. I'll take that. I will definitely take that. Yeah. And you know what's also really great? If Even if, it, if it's not perfect, it's still dreamlike. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it still fits. <clears throat> but now he has to perform a little bit of inception with um, Saito and have to bring him back to the world because which is a real nice little little dual symmetry there because you know Saito is the one who has to bring him back to America and he has to bring him back to reality in order to do that good shit good shit <clears throat> and of course the uh, um, the top is still spinning because yeah. Come on back. Wake up, Saito. Wake up. I actually kind of expect him to just die. It's, can you die in limbo? Hmm. That's a good question. Interesting question. Well, he did reach for the gun. Is that how they woke up? Ah, uh, maybe. Maybe. That's probably how it is. Yeah. And of course, just uh, arriving out just about in time. <clears throat> and then there's the look that they uh, give each other, which I really like here. Not the shot right here. But uh, there is a look that uh, Killian Murphy does give uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as they're exiting. That I really like where they're just kind of acknowledging like a little bit of deja vu, but probably nothing, you know? Of course, everyone's just like, hell yeah, we did it. See, um, I forget what his, what his name is, the chemist. See, now's the time he should have drank that champagne. <laughs> 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 but yeah, right here, the look. They give each other just like, phone call. I gotta make a phone call. What's the number again? Uh, maybe he's got it on speed dial. <laughs> and then finally, uh, he gets he gets into the immigration, and it's a moment of truth. Either right here, he gets a ex, either he gets uh, his ass pummeled by security, or he goes home to his kids. <clears throat> and I kind of imagine that. Um, you know, Nolan's frequent traveling is a lot of it attributed to this. Because if I remember reading up on IMDb, he always has his passport on him just in case. Oh, yeah. Like constantly running around with it. <clears throat> and, of course, he's cleared to go. And then there's this moment coming up right here where Leo uh, passes up uh, Killian Murphy. But I really love how they cleverly... Um, decide to have all the quote-unquote cast of inception just diverge into the many faces of the airport that face right there where he's just like familiar yet not and just kind of keeps on going a little bit of uh dream deja vu almost well not quite deja vu i'm trying to think of the correct word here <clears throat> and then sir michael kine michael kine well, that's another thing that uh, may or may not confirm whether or not uh, Cobb is dreaming or not. 
is that in an interview with Michael Caine, they're like, he, when he said he said when he first read the script, he's like, I don't know what's real. What's real, Chris? Tell me. And he says, wherever you're, wh whenever you're in the scene, it's reality. And he wasn't sure if he took that as, oh. you know, play it as reality, like anyone, you know, any normal actor would. Or is it any time that Michael Caine shows up within the world, that is reality? Maybe that confirms that he isn't dreaming right now. It might, or it just might be lost uh, in translation. Personally, maybe. I don't give a crap. And here's the famous shot where the top is spinning. And you can read this in the script. Like there's the, the actual shooting script. It actually just says that the camera pans away to the top. Um, and it keeps spinning and spinning. And... And... Cuts. Cuts. Like, it never actually says whether or not it falls over. Like, it, it says it's mm. about to spin... Uh, it's about to uh, fall, topple over. But the script never actually confirms it. So... Okay. That still brings up the ultimate question. Is he still dreaming? Well, because honestly, I say fuck now all... With that, now with that explanation... Yeah, well, I mean, of... with all the yeah. theories out there and whatnot, what's your personal thing? Well, you've actually kind of... You actually kind of... The way you explain it and the way that Mike, when Michael Caine shows up, it, it is reality. Mm -hmm. The way you kind of explain that, it does have me kind of thinking the other way a little bit more. But I still, I mean, yeah, who knows? Um, person, well, that's I mean, one of the things, the great things about this is that invites this kind of discussion. Well, oh, oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's what, that's the brilliance of this movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, uh, it. <clears throat> I'm trying to find words here. Um, the thing is, even with the Michael Caine thing, um, if if you really take that to heart and say that you play it like you're, you play, uh, whatever reality. Uh, your, whatever scene you're in is your reality. That's just saying, act it straight. So you couldn't say that that's whatever that whole thing of that Michael Caine is, uh, that Mike, any scene that Michael Caine is is what grounds Cobb to reality is total bullshit. You could totally take that for bullshit. Okay. But me personally, I like to think that he the entire movie is a dream, and it's not. At the mm. same time. Cause he, now he yeah now here's how I'll, here's how I'll give you the full explanation okay so the film is a dream yes. because we are we as an audience are dreaming this movie mm -hmm. we go into the movie theater we sit our ass down Edith Piaf starts off really slow yeah and finishes exactly at the right moment and therefore we are dreaming we are, we as the audience are the dreamers experiencing the dream so yeah the whole movie is a dream but within the world of the the film or the dream. Whenever Cobb is, you know, not under or isn't experimenting, yeah, he's not dreaming. That last shot within the movie, within the film's world, I don't think he's dreaming, because, um, because even though the top, the the, the top is kind of starting to lose momentum and whatnot, mm -hmm. doesn't matter because he's with his kids, because that's what's really important to him. Yeah, to us, the audience, it's just reminding us that we're experiencing something for him he's he, that's his reality and therefore he's not dreaming if that makes sense because <laughs> that's got me thinking now man. <laughs> i mean i don't yeah that's one of the things i mean it just invites this kind of discussion yeah uh, very much like 2001 did 
mm-hmm. uh, back in back in '68 when that came out. But yeah, it's it's inter- it's an interesting thing. I mean, you learn. I this is one of I, one of those movies I learned something new every like, time you every watch time it. Every time I watch it, yeah, which is exactly what I love about it. Well, that's a, yeah. a mark of a really great movie, uh, anyway. Oh you yeah, know, the more. You, the more you watch it, the more shit you pick up Because some things you just, on. like, scratch the surface and there it is. Yep. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> Michael Bay. <laughs> Fucking hate all that right, guy. All right, all right. No. We try not to. No. We try not to get into any no Michael Bay no. <laughs> I hate that guy. I hate the guy that. All right. We try to. As much as we try not to bring up Michael Bay at every point in turn. <laughs> no, no, I will roast his ass until okay. long all after right. he is dead. Fair enough. Long after he's dead. Fair I don't, enough. I don't care that he made The Rock. I don't care you if... You care that he made Bad Boys? No. No. <laughs> he still he still yeah. uh, 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 made Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same reason why I will never forgive Shyamalan for The Last Airbender. I don't I care. Would almost, I would almost argue that Uwe Bo- Bowl is worse. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't apologize. Yeah. He actually fights his critics. Yeah. You read about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for those I'd of you... argue that he's worse than Michael Bay. For, the, for those yeah. of you, like, just At listening, least Michael Bay's, like, you know... For, for those of you that yeah. don't know out there, Uwe Ball actually uh, challenges critics that don't like his movies to fist fights. Oh, yeah. And it's he's happened a month... Much, yeah. It's actually happened a, mo- a couple of times that um, a, a reviewer took him up on that. And they and he actually beat the living shit out of him. Yeah, that's right. Which is super fucked up and so not professional and not cool. Like, at least Michael. At least Michael Bay is like. He's like, yeah, I make shit, but I make money, so fuck you. Yeah. He he had Michael it, Bay doesn't incite violence. No. Yeah. No. He he just incites explosions so he can jerk <laughs> off men. <laughs> endlessly, endlessly to um, explosions. Yeah explosions are his fetish yes it is all right so well that was uh that was a hell of a movie man yes thank you so much for inviting yeah, it's, me man. it's been it, well i mean it's been it's fun kind of revisiting this one in uh, particular because yeah. again this is still one of my favorite movies because it's probably the mo- one of the most subtly meta movies ever made oh yeah for sure um and hopefully it if it doesn't get to me um like if i don't figure out the code to make you know the movie that it talks about movies, about making movies and mm-hmm. movie experiences and could only be done within movies. Uh, I really hope it really cracks the code for that sort of thing, or just be like a, uh, uh, a story kind of like a, a, an ode to film editing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Cause, um, this is not the greatest film editing I've ever seen in my life. It's not as, mm. as cool as no. like jumping back and forth and trying to figure out where you are. I've seen better editing. Because you know what's really crazy? This movie has just one match cut in this entire movie, and that's oh, when you yeah. see like f- go from uh, old Saito to new si- to you know young Saito. Sure. That's the only match cut in the entire movie. Now, if you take a you know like uh, there's another mo- you know Paprika, um, that movie is like nothing but match cuts, just constantly doing mm-hmm. that. Um, so I feel like you know. If you if you go the extra step in your editing, this movie could probably be the closest thing to, you know, those ideas that I've been talking about. So, mm-hmm. if anything, hopefully this um, this movie, along with the right lessons to be taken from Interstellar, someone can crack it. Oh yeah. Because even if it's not because even yeah, 
I don't even think it's going to be me because, you know, I've, I've never had a whole lot of money anyways, and um, I've never had access to the kind of opportunities these filmmakers have had. But, uh, you know, I, I would still love to see that movie anyway. Oh, yeah. The movie sure. that comes closest to, you know, Citizen Kane and um, 2001 to really being a movie that just pushes the boundaries even for, further and changes the form ultimately than to what we know now today oh absolutely yeah yeah that'd be fucking cool so go out there get some inspiration and make it happen people absolutely yeah yeah so that's it for the show for today thank so, you so much for inviting me yeah Tim. absolutely and why don't you do some shameless self-promoting while you're shameless here self-promoting <laughs> um well uh you can find me on um my main podcast is nikki b's movie corner and i also started a new podcast called creators in cincy where I bring on various people in the Cincinnati production space, be it filmmakers, editors, podcasters, like Tim was very uh, kind enough to join me. And on I was that, uh, very happy to be on there. Tim was very kind enough to join me on the first episode. Um, the first episode is up on Anchor. It's available on uh, Spotify and Google Podcasts and a bunch of different platforms. Uh, Anchor pretty much sends that out and distributes it to a few different places so you can go definitely go check that out but nikki b's movie corner is also kind of my main thing that i do on the side and um yeah and uh look forward to more content very soon absolutely man and thank you very much this has been thank another, you so much this has been a really great episode of comtrack and you can join us back where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again peace out peace